This is your captain speaking, a.k.a. Captain Death, the host of the Lots of Pasta podcast. I have a quick announcement to fucking make before we get into this episode here. I know this is random. I know this is out of nowhere, but so is my energy sometimes. And over this last weekend, I decided to make a Patreon account. I don't know why. I finally got over five and a half years of stubbornness and decided that, hey, maybe the podcast can be self-sustainable from this point forward and it would make making content a hell of a lot easier. Uh, I also made a coffee account for people who don't feel like signing up for a monthly subscription um, where you hand money to us repeatedly and maybe you just want to throw money at us one time, whatever. I don't care. I'll accept anything at this point. Consider me a prostitute. For your ear holes. Uh, There are five tiers of subscription services that you can sign up for on our Patreon. And they all have fun pasta-related names with fun little things that you get for each tier. The first tier, starting at $3, is just a basic support tier where you make sure that our content continues coming out. And it continues coming out the way it always has, which is ad and sponsor-free. And then the tiers do kind of increase with vocal shout-outs, actual credits on the YouTube videos, as well as being able to decide some of the stories that we get to read if you're on Patreon, and um, maybe even being vetted to come on an episode and talk with uh, me or talk with us, depending on who you want to talk to, um, or maybe even read a story with us. And, you know, there are some uh, things to read through over there if you want to check out Patreon and possibly become a subscriber for the Lots of Pasta podcast. Um Today, I'm going to give our first fucking shout-out, because the minute I fucking made a Patreon, of course, someone came out of nowhere and immediately fucking signed up. And they didn't just sign up as our first Patreon patron. They signed up as a Tier 3 Patreon patron, which is a terrifying tortellini timeshare owner. And for that... You get a thank you or spank you. And of course, I'm talking about you, kitty. You, you bitch. (laughs) Doris Filth herself. Kitty, I am going to thank you. I know you probably want me to spank you, but I'm going to say thank you first. I'll spank you some other fucking time. And uh, I want to thank you for being you, for being irreplaceable for being one of our most vocal fans of the show as well as a member of our fucking crew i'm so happy that you found our podcast and you've bought all of that fucking merch that i told you not to because uh, you need to save your money so that you could come over and record a podcast live okay so um maybe don't subscribe to us just kidding continue throwing money at us as you always do and uh, never change. Anyway, if you would like to join Kitty as a sexy fucking lots of pasta Patreon patron, then you can find the link in our description of our videos or podcasts posted anywhere, whether it's iTunes, Amazon, Spotify, YouTube, SoundCloud, you name it, the link will be there. Um, or search us at lots of pasta on coffee or Patreon. So, um, thank you for listening, and now, on to the episode. Hi, 
Female character. Her name's Cat. Fuck, I forgot. I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, now honestly, I'm gonna look insensitive to her plight. You know, my it's pretty generic name. In your defense, you can't. It's be not like she walks around just fucking saying her name to everyone either. No, and I mean also like this is kind of like big final girl energy, and final <laughs> girls tend to kind of like all play feel it close the same, to the chest. So yeah, it's not your fault. What I'm going to say is I remembered I remembered um, that we ended on a cliffhanger. We did. And I am concerned for the fucking dead people. Oh, good God. Am I concerned? That live, that live on the <laughs> upper floors, quote unquote. Ugh. And yes, the, um, the cult. They they are a cult. We did like get to learn. They that. don't like being called that though. Most cults don't. <laughs> How true! Truer words have never been spoken. <laughs> I would know because I have uh, my own secret plans to become a cult leader someday. So I've done lots and lots of research. <laughs> I I would sign up. Thank you. <laughs> depending, oh my god. Depending on the uh, the quota and you know, I, the uh, and the surprise at the end. You know, I haven't gotten there yet. There's always a surprise at the end. Um, I can promise you that it's not uh, it's genital mutilation or death or poison Kool Aid. Yeah, no, nothing that yeah. fun. No, I I just want to uh, I just want to start a cult of personality because I I'm a Libra and I need attention so it'll fulfill my like I'm a Leo and I also need attention right so this is <laughs> so perfect we're in this for us. together <laughs> exactly we just need we need we uh we start a cult right okay step one start cult step two get attention step three uh profit off of our unwitting cult participants step four explode everything metaphorically nice try literally. FBI. And or maybe literally, who's to say? It wouldn't be a surprise if we told them, right? And then we abscond off into the sunset with our ill-gotten gains and retire to some country where there's no extradition. <laughs> That's my retirement plan. It's a solid one out of out of most that I've heard. I um, honestly, mine, I'm aging. Mine just kind of summarizes that one word, death. Right. Makes sense. I mean, I'm aging like fine wine. So I figure the best time to start a cult is like when I hit like my, you know, like peak performance. I'm aging like cheese. <laughs> Some people like me. I was about to say, you know, cheese isn't too bad. I'm a huge cheese board fan. It's, uh, different strokes, different folks, different... Different uh, people, you know, different flavors. <laughs> yeah, strokes and fun. All right, I'm going to take another hit. You convinced me. Oh, wow. I'm so persuasive. See, this is why I need to be a cult leader. I wasn't even trying. This is episode 243. This is uh, the, uh, the apartment story. I'm just calling it that in all yeah. of my documents and all my files. The actual title... 
is the previous tenant of my new flat left a survival guide. But uh-huh. that doesn't that doesn't encapsulate the plight. No, not at all. I've <laughs> I have doesn't... all my fi- <laughs> all my files are titled apartment fuckery. Yes. Even scary. that's closer. <laughs> For real though, even there that's closer. Some There's fuckery. some fuckery happening in this fuckery. apartment. A survival so... guide doesn't doesn't <laughs> like quite live up to what what the word fuckery is capable of. It's because true. because we're we're dealing with the type of Tom fuckery on all sensual points, right? Mm-hmm. We're all we're them. seeing things, we're hearing things, we're unfortunately tasting things. So many you know, things. Feeling things. Right. Bad things. Bad things both so many literally and metaphorically. And emotionally. There is a and great deal of emotional trauma in this story <laughs> and and we're only on we only finished part one when we're saying that Jesus this Christ. is part two of apartment fuckery and um this is what's scaring me is that like we're only like 40 pages into this like we're not even halfway we're a there quarter. And we're, a quarter. So we're gonna end today halfway through and i think that's gonna make us feel a little bit better but at a quarter through nothing is so everything much, is up in the air. So this much could go in so many directions where we could end today upset. Mm-hmm. I feel like we're going to. I just I feel it in <laughs> don't my perpetuate bones. that. <laughs> okay, I will unperpetuate it. Even though I if if we're upset, it has to be because the story is not going in the direction we wanted to. All right, all right, fine. I, if you're I upset will... <laughs> emotionally at a character beat, I'm okay with that. At well, that's story how, like, beat, I'll take it. Like, I'm not going to lie. I took the normally like in stories like this when, you know, the the bumbling like boyfriend or husband or whoever uh, perishes. Oh, if we're getting into the if we're getting into the recap right now, that is definitely reason number one to start with. Right. OK. So like, you know, we so when this poor girl, she's moved into this apartment, she finds the survival guide. She's like, what the fuck? That's fucking crazy. She finds um, the survival couple- guide days into <laughs> being there. It's it's the next day. I think it's the day after. No, it was, they like, moved it was in. like day two or three or something. No, it was day it was day two because they moved in right, and then um, they went to bed, and then he had that early shift at the fast food restaurant, and see, then see, I thought they came in on like a weekend, and he was set to work on like a Wednesday. Let me hold on. I'm going. Back. I don't remember. It doesn't um, matter yeah. in essence. The point is, due to a logical fallacy of just not paying attention to something. Mm-hmm. Well, it was in like a cabinet, right? Or something. It was shit? in the apartment somewhere, but like the the point is, is like you just moved in, you should have found it. Oh, it you should have read it. It was in one of the cupboards on the wall. You should have found it. Mm-hmm. You should have read it. And it it was the next day. It was they literally had been in there for under twenty for under twenty four hours. So yep. here's so here's a mistake that's made mm-hmm. within twenty four hours of being there mm-hmm. that has. Life-changing. Life-changing. Life-ending. Life, life-ending proportions. If you will. <laughs> and, bastard. And, and if you didn't I expected to read for bumbling, confused, misinterpreted, well-meaning yeah. boyfriend, right. only to find that he's dead. Murdered. Murdered. By, like, page five. Right. He's, like, gone. And maybe, honestly... Maybe earlier. 
Who knows? Mm -hmm. And I mean, maybe we'll see him again, but I'm personally But even at that point, he's not going to be the same character the story would have implied he would have been from the beginning. He's going to be, he's going to be damaged goods at that point. Exceedingly damaged. But, you know, normally those kinds of deaths, like, don't, like, I'm always like, ah, well, whatever. If he has been in the basement drinking Mountain Dew and playing Xbox 360 with these rat people... Right. <laughs> Please, that would be so I, fucking And he funny. is just completely unchanged. I I will award <laughs> this series with biggest like red herring of all time. Yeah, literally, it'll win. It. I'll give it a, a useless, uh, what a, a meaningless gold medal. Correct. Um, but yeah, the the death of him actually like like made me sad. Which I was not yeah. anticipating, because usually I don't give a shit. Like, usually I'm like, eh. Like, we're perish. sad. <laughs> we're sad not for necessarily the character he was. We're sad for the, the situation the protagonist is in. Right, because, like, I mean, I can't, like, if you, you know. If you moved in with your significant other and you were looking at experiencing this with a person and kind mm-hmm. of being desperate, and like right. need, and like needing that person mm-hmm. to Talk have to them you. wrenched away from you in such a way violently also like violently like that was not in a good such death. a way it was a you know. bad bad death like a really bad death like one of the worst deaths you can have he was literally eaten alive I like. there aren't <laughs> many things that are worse than that really and and yeah. when and when we when we have to deal with that mm-hmm. as what's behind all of our characters' desperate actions to just get by, it's it's some tough shit to swallow. Right, and, like, I was gonna say, like, poverty Like, I wake up really... in the morning and I have a hard time going to work because I'm just bored. Right, and I'm, I'm also, like, work's like, gonna be boring, sad. it's a waste of time, I don't wanna go. <laughs> right, I hate it here. Like, give, like, leave me alone, I don't wanna fucking go to work. I wanna sit at and... home and write D&D campaigns all day. Right, I wanna sit at home Why and, like, Why can't I be paint... paid for that, Matt Mercer? Right, I wanna paint titties, I wanna play D&D, I wanna write fucking, I wanna write sexy monster books, and, and go to bed. That's what I want, and I can't because I have a dead boyfriend. Right? I have a dead boyfriend and also a ton of monsters in my apartment. Like, literally a Fuck. ludicrous amount of monsters in my apartment and around them. And different, just, monsters, yeah. different monsters everywhere you look. Literally everywhere you look. You could throw everywhere a rock and hit a new monster. Neighbor, Neighbor's werewolf. Mailman is a ghost. Uh, uh, kids. Demon kids. People demon kids. living upstairs are vampires of sorts. You know. Uh, super, like, burn victim, fire starter, Stephen King motherfucking looking ghosts. Salem, from a cult. Salem's lot bitches. Yeah, yeah Salem's lot bitches. Salem's lot assholes living in the basement. Yeah, fucking Carrie herself is after the main character now, apparently. Yeah, that's good. So, you know, that's that's fine, I guess. You know, I was a big I like Stephen this. King fan. <laughs> I was a really big Stephen King fan one time. I've always still, been. Still am a little bit, yeah. The Stand was my first favorite book. I dislike The Stand. I read it very, very young. <laughs> like, I So did I, and that's why not, I hated it. <laughs> I should not have been reading that. I love and telling that to people because it usually throws them off. They're just like, what? How can you hate The Stand? It's like his Lord of the Rings. Yeah, but, like, it's so bad. (laughs) (laughs) Getting someone who likes Stephen King to admit that is, like, a a joy. It's a pleasure. 
Like, listen, there are parts of it that are great and parts of it that I love. And like, you could the say actual... that about all of his books, though. I'm, I'm right. saying subjectively. I'm right. saying not just subjectively, but objectively, the stand is bullshit. <laughs> it's just so much. <laughs> it's just like, I, I don't even know how to describe it, but he's just like, honestly, though, I think that's like a Stephen King problem in general. And I just, I have to blame it on all the cocaine, I guess. Oh, like, hundred. You took the words out of my mouth. <laughs> he just like, some of his books, he is just doing too much. Most of them. And you're just like, okay, homie, like, whoa. Like... <laughs> Whoa! And also, like, side note, he... I'm not so sure that guy really cares for women in general, but... <laughs> uh, I think he just knows what scares all types of people. Yeah, but his, like, his... I don't, know if, the, I don't know if that rubs off on women too much, or if he's just not good at writing from their perspective. I don't think he's very good at writing women. But I don't think that necessarily makes him a misogynist. I just think no, that makes no. him ignorant. I don't, I don't think he's, no, excuse me. Let me clarify. I don't think he's a misogynist. I think he's a man who writes women. And I just generally, not all that the time. I'm, that I'm okay with. There some, are some examples I'd be able to fight you on, but mm-hmm. well, I some, would agree with you for the most part. Well, I mean, you know, it's just like with anything. If I say I hate all men, they're all murderers. Like, that's not true, objectively. And I'm, And like when I say, right. And when I say men can't write women, that's not true. There are some men who do great jobs writing women. Yeah. But Stephen King is a man. <laughs> <laughs> who is and uh, we can't fault him we can't fault him for that you know what i would say about um i might fault him a little bit as a treat that's <laughs> just fine. a smidge that's but fine you're was, allowed but, to as a person like, you're allowed when to. the when the fuck did he even write that book though wasn't it 80s like, it was yeah, definitely 80s in the, you know in that case i'll definitely give it a little more leeway yeah it was Plus definitely 80s it was definitely cocaine and um cocaine. I will say that this author is good at writing women. Yes, holy and, shit. They and are. I would say I don't know if I've seen enough men to think that they write men well, but mm-hmm. I haven't seen enough examples to not think that. I just thought the the postman had his prerogatives and mm-hmm. the neighbor is supposed to be a stereotype. Right. Like I I have to so, say I like So far I, like... I haven't seen too much. Yeah, I you know, and I didn't realize this, but yeah, most of the main characters with speaking roles are all women in this they story. Are, actually, they are definitely the the friend was uh-huh, the ghost was chick girl. is the mom Terry. Mm-hmm, mom Terry, the neighbor, uh, the who old moved, woman. Or, excuse me, the previous tenant was also a woman. Uh-huh. The main villain right now is a woman. Yeah, wow. Uh-huh. Okay, damn, is this feminine? <laughs> <laughs> it's the it's the Asian anime looking at the butterfly. <laughs> and it's saying, is this feminism? Literally me. <laughs> is this feminism? <laughs> Maybe. Who knows? Maybe. Maybe. We're going to find out. I, I, we are going to find out, aren't we? Is there anything else that you wanted to catch up on to recap? Um. Okay, so we have uh, her boyfriend dies. We got dead she... boyfriend. We got a uh, survival guide. We've mentioned ghost mailman. Mm-hmm, We've mentioned, uh, have we mentioned Demon Window Washer? Uh, oh, Demon Window Washer, terrifying. Can't forget about him. Yeah, can't Puddle, forget about him. Bloodstain, eternal bloodstain in eternal the living bloodstain. room. Eternal uh, bloodstain. bedroom. Rat mutants. Rat mutants um, in the elevator. Burning uh, cats in the hallway. Burning cats, right? Burning cats, demon fire cult bullshit. Uh, demon uh-huh. kids. Normal mom. Poor bitch. 
Um, yeah, part demon <laughs> kids or part monster kids. Not sure which way that's going. And part we've mailman kids. Ghost mailman. I don't. I, yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. No, excuse me. We 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 theorize window part, washer. I thought it was part window washer. Window kids, washer. But at this yes. point, I'll take what I can get. Um, and we we have mentioned possible werewolf neighbor, which hasn't really yes. come up yet. Yeah, he's um, only been in. That was on specific like, like nights of the weeks they mentioned. Mm-hmm. So maybe we just haven't gotten to that night because again, mm-hmm. it's only been like three days, and this chick is having the, the worst, worst time. The worst time. The worst time. The worst time living in this new place. Like day one, boyfriend's dead. Day two, haunt. Uh, best friend gets put in the ER for getting uh-huh. fucking burned. Day three, I found out previous tenant had a rat girl. And, yep, rat my, and my closest friend has two demon babies. So and, many demons. And now the the burning people cult are back and fuck my life day four. Yep, and they actively are attempting to kill her now because she. It's apparently... probably been closer to like a week, but still rationalizing yeah. all of this shit happening in that much time. Yeah, I mean, a. That's I need a Xanax. Crazy. Well, also apparently, sorry, one more detail to recap on. Apparently, she has broken some kind of, like, stalemate that the previous tenant was in with the cult members. I still don't get that. I guess that the... Oh, no. I guess that it's because the cult member... uh, What's her name? Natalia is like, well, you let me in, so that means I get to burn you to death. And... Well, she did it to the friend, so, like, mm -hmm. let's just say eye for an eye and call it a fucking night. That's what I'm saying. It's also like, well, homie, like, she clearly didn't know, and I did. So, like, and you didn't die, and I didn't die. So, I don't and know. It also, seems fair to me. And also, I'm alive, and you're some fucking ghost. Fuck Yeah, off. you're fucking, fucking ghost demon poltergeist bullshit. Go outside and burn some Republicans. Fuck off. Go, pos- go possess a tree or something. Like, whatever they did in that weird whatever, movie. Whatever shit, whatever shit that you need to do to light on fire, go do it somewhere else. Yeah, literally. Well, they're waiting for their... They want their leader to come back for them. And oh, is he that has what that not, was? Yes, he is not. He has not he because bailed. Prudence. Well, no, because Prudence, the old uh, tenant, her husband put him in jail oh. for fraud. So we're so we're seeing post effects mm-hmm. of a of a cult in action that never uh-huh. got to hail Bob. Exactly. They cut their genitals, but they haven't gotten to hail Bob. Rip. They nice. drank the Kool Aid. They drank the Kool Aid and they did not get to hail Bob. They did not. They they fucking drank the shit out of that Kool Aid. Very nice. I think that leads perfectly into the title for part six that I'm going to start with, uh, which is aptly named. I might need some help. <laughs> this this story. Is I full love of the <laughs> downplay of the the understatements. This story is <laughs> understatement full. of the goddamn year. Full of understatements. Yeah, almost so every many. title is an understatement, right? Yes. Every 10 seconds, this girl is, like, understating things. Or people in the building are under... They're like, oh, he's just quirky. And he's, like, you know, a mailman with black holes for eyes that wants it to... It burns eat your heads, but you get used to it as yes. he holds the cat in pain. <sighs> Literally. <laughs> Literally. Well, that's, what the, that's what the tenant, the previous tenant, was doing. It was yep. like, she noticed the sores on her hand, but the person just didn't care. Right was just used to it. I love it. Love it. Part six. I might need some help. (laughs) I sat all morning thinking about everything. Cup after cup. 
of coffee in front of me to keep me awake. Once the postman had left and I was alone with my thoughts, they just continued to get louder. I thought about Natalia and the cult, about the kids and their nighttime antics, about the committee meeting, Jamie and how much I missed him, Georgia and my burning guilt, ironic, mm-hmm. and Mr. Prentice, <laughs> who was finally making those aforementioned animal noises, ding, ding, ding. We just got the bingo <laughs> card. The bingo you know card just lit up. You know what? Good for him. I support him, actually. I think he should make more animal noises. There's a guy who lives above me who, like, screams, sings karaoke every now and again. Fuck yeah. And, like, I, you know, I'm down for it. I love it. He's, like, jamming out. I get to hear him, like, slobbering and, like, singing. It's great. It's a win-win. Most of all. It's like the same thing. (laughs) It's like the same thing. Yeah, it's the same thing. It's just animal noise karaoke? Question mark? (laughs) Most of all, I thought about the note left for me on move-in day, how it had changed everything. My whole life was different now. I was alone, and it felt like my new home was attacking me from every angle, because Because it was. (laughs) (laughs) I reread the note a few times over my coffee. I worried about my rent. It was tight, but manageable. Fuck, that's, that's like, even now I'm getting fucked. School is currently out in the UK, nailed it, but as a training teacher assigned to a school, I still get paid a small amount through the summer. The rent is low, and with a second job, I could just about make it without Jamie. It sounds strange, but it felt nice to worry about something normal for a minute, even if I should have been worrying about my survival and the many entities currently trying to kill me. I didn't get to stew for too long. I had to get ready for the committee meeting. After the events of the night before and my growing mistrust of prudence, it was imperative that I got the neighbors on side if I was going to achieve anything like my goals of eradicating the imposter cultist neighbors. The meeting was at noon in flat 31 and there was a poster on a communal notice board by entrance that I was glad to spot. Terry hadn't mentioned the time when we met and all our meetings since had been a bit hectic to discuss it. The poster promised tea and cakes, and my stomach rumbled at the thought I hadn't eaten properly in days. I don't think tea and cakes is what I would consider properly, but mm-hmm. maybe in in the uh, traditional Brit way that is seen as, like, a meal. Maybe. Or maybe she's just I'm desperate. a fat American. What do I know? <laughs> at 11.55, I left the flat and wandered out into the corridor. I've never seen so many neighbors. Mr. Prentice, however, was still making those awful noises, and I watched in disbelief as every single person in the corridor just walked past his door as if it was silent. I did my usual deliberation on whether to take the stairs or lift, but yet again the stairs won. I still couldn't bear being where Jamie died. All these extra flights were keeping me fit. Flat 31 belonged to an older lady named Molly Thompson and her husband, Eric. She had a blue rinsed head of curls attached to her head and had gone to the effort to make homemade Battenberg cake. Our neighbors had bought along baked goods as well. It reminded me of a school fair. The flat itself was decorated for the 70s with plenty of china cat ornaments littered around. I sat down on a dusty plastic garden chair, one of the many that Molly seemed to have acquired and laid out for the residents pouring in. I hadn't seen community spirit like this in my life. I smiled as I saw Terry, Eddie, and Ellie wander in. It was nice to see some more familiar faces. I had noticed people looking at me, wondering who I was. It probably wasn't often they got new neighbors. Eddie came up running to me, swung his arms around me, and sat down in the rickety garden chair next to mine. It was so sweet. 
Terry smiled at me and took a seat the other side of me. Allie sat next to her brother. The puppy brown dog eyes were back, no claws. I'm glad you came, Terry said to me, loud enough to hear over the voices of the neighbors. I really want you to see the good side of the block. We don't bite, really. She laughed nervously <laughs> as she realized the irony of her statement. That's you. I'm oh, reading for me. I'm Shit. reading for narrator. You could read for I've both. Heard, That's okay. Oh my god. Sorry, I for I'm fucked up. It's okay. <laughs> Terry, I need help. We need to stop these people from coming back again and from terrorizing people. The block can't go on like this. I wanted to make the purpose of my attendance clear to her. It was time for things to change. But if you don't let them in, then they don't bother you. I've spoken to the kids. They know not to do it again and that those people are dangerous. She paused for a moment and sighed. Although them running away didn't help, the kids think they're indestructible now. They've been telling me all morning that they're going to kill the bad guys. She looked oh, so God. resigned. But it was true, they did run away from the twins. Maybe there was something in that. I knew they could die, I just had to work out how. But as the thought crossed my mind and I looked at Eddie and Ellie, I couldn't imagine taking a risk. I could have flat out gone back and asked Prudence, but to be honest, I didn't want anything to do with her. She gave me such a bad feeling. I was doubting everything she was telling me. It doesn't matter if you can keep them away. We all can't live in fear. Yours aren't the only kids in this building. I knew this from surveying the room. But I bet not all the kids here are as special as yours. What if another family burns to death because their kids are hyper one night? I could see this struck a chord with Terry, and she looked at me with glassy eyes on the verge of tears. You're right. Molly's the chairwoman, and she can be a little strict, but you can bring it up under any other business. She spoke with a lump in her throat. Here you go, by the way. She handed me a piece of paper. Any other business felt a bit lackluster, but it would do, as long as it got discussed. I turned my attention to the piece of paper. It was the agenda for the meeting, for something. Written so formally, it appeared farcical. It seemed other flats and floors had different but equally strange issues to mine. There were only six items on the agenda for the meeting with AOB as the seventh. They were as follows. One, welcome and introductions with apologies for absence. Two, Replacing of the flickering lights on floor 11, it seems to incite vicious behavior from the pets and elderly of that floor. 3. Serving a formal residence letter of concern to the man who doesn't move from the bottom of the stairwell on floor 5. <laughs> That's me. <laughs> 4. Finances, budgets for general maintenance, and the animal barbecue. 5. The stairs with no grip leading up to floor 14 at the very top, and the health and safety hazards this presents. Oh 6. Soundproofing of Mr. Prentice's flat, number 48. Hell yeah. I was comforted to know that I wasn't alone in dealing with all these strange occurrences. I was also chilled to the core to know for certain that it was the entire building that was more than a bit odd. What really struck me as odd is what... When I thought about it, I had seen the man on floor 5 when going down the stairs, but I never noticed that it had been every time, or that he had never moved until this moment. The meeting began with a loud and dissatisfying clink. By this point, the tiny 70s-themed flat was packed. Garden chairs had all ran out and people were standing. Molly Thompson stood up from her floral-patterned armchair and bashed a teaspoon against the outside of her cup. 
She reminded me of a very strict disciplinarian school teacher I had worked with during my university placement. She commanded quiet in the room. I think we should get started, everyone, she shrilled, nice. her voice growing louder with every word until the crowd came to a silent hum. Right. Firstly, we are not going to skip the introductions today. Apologies have been given by Joe and stuff of Flat 2, and yet again by Mr. Prentice. We have a new face in the room, as I'm sure many of you have noticed. She gestured to me and looked in my direction, but didn't really make any eye contact. She was just talking about me as I sat in the room. Eventually, she addressed me directly. Stand up, dear. Introduce yourself. We're pleased to have you here. I was deeply uncomfortable. I could feel some sort of panic coming on. I never liked standing in crowds very much, but I stood up anyway. Uh, hi. My name is Kat. I live in flat number 42. I moved in with my boyfriend Jamie, but he was killed in the lift by those weird rat creatures you people have living here. The people that claim to live in the burned out flats won't leave me alone, and one in particular seems to want me dead. Oh, and the window cleaner outside my flat makes me want to scoop my own eyes out with a spoon every time he knocks on my door. Nice to meet you all. The crowd gasped a little. I sat down instantly mortified. I don't know what happened. The normality of the structure of the meeting overwhelmed me. There's something about a sense of order and normality amongst chaos. It does something to your brain and for me for the first time in this whole journey. It sent me into a meltdown. I sobbed as I hit the chair both in pure mental exhaustion and disappointment that I had blown my chance at building any sort of army against Natalia. Terry rubbed my shoulder. Molly broke the awkward silence that had blanketed the room. Nice to meet you, Catherine. I understand life in this building can be a little overwhelming. We did ask the previous occupant to let us intervene when you moved in, but she was insistent. In hindsight, we may need to review our policies on new tenants. I am so very sorry for the loss of your partner. The lift is a most unfortunate situation. She had been in positions of power in her life for certain. She responded professionally, but coldly. There was no feeling in her condolences. She came off like a corrupt politician digging themselves out of a hole. She did decide to skip the introductions after my outburst. I also hate it when people call me Catherine. My parents called me Katie and I shortened it to Cat. Her presuming it was Catherine added to her school teacher demeanor. Boo. She carried on with proceedings pretty swiftly and interesting characters present at the meeting started to emerge. My favorite was a large middle-aged Caribbean woman named Precious St. Fleur, who would not accept Molly's claims that there was not enough in the budget to replace the lighting on floor 11. She got up and lifted her shirt to reveal a large, deep bite mark across her stomach caused by her dog after a long episode of the lights flickering. When that didn't change Molly's answer, she lifted her trouser leg to reveal a smaller but still noteworthy bite mark on her leg from her elderly mother who lives with her. Oh, dear. Molly didn't budge. It took what felt like an eternity to get to any other business. If it weren't so focused on my goal, if I weren't so focused on my goal, I would have enjoyed hearing about the quirks of the other floors, maybe tried to engage a little, but I just couldn't concentrate. When the chairwoman asked if anyone had any other business, she scanned the room quickly, and I stood up from my chair, and she locked on me with her eyes. Catherine, what can we help you with, dear? She asked in a patronizing tone. I want help in getting rid of the people pretending to be from the burned-out flats. 
I can't be the only person that doesn't like living in fear. I stated boldly, trying not to break down again. Dear, we have had this discussion multiple times, and it's been taken off the agenda. I'm aware you're new here, but there is nothing we can do about certain problems within this building. And for this particular issue, we would appreciate you not letting them into your home and ignoring them like the rest of us. She snapped back. But that's not good enough. Terry's kids answered the door last night. They're children. It's easily done. What if someone else's child does it and they aren't so lucky to survive? One burned my friend so bad a few nights ago that she's still unconscious in the hospital. This I knew from social media. A few people called out in agreement with me from the crowd. The only one of us who has ever been able to deal with them is Prudence, and that difficult woman never revealed her methods. Don't think we didn't try. You're suggesting a suicide mission. You do well to remember you are new here. Molly hissed through her teeth. Molly sucks. Did she... Did she, <laughs> did she have to mention I was new so many times it was grating on me. Well, I'm willing, shouted Precious. She seemed stronger than the rest in her earlier rant. I was glad she, I was glad to have her on side. Wait, she was from the Caribbean. Well, I'm willing, mom. When she came forward, a few others followed. Soon I had five people plus myself willing to form a subcommittee to get rid of the cultists. Molly didn't like it, but she agreed to let us do it. Okay. There was me, Precious, Terry, along with a, navy, a lady named Shanti, who lived a few doors from me. A man named Anton and his friend Leo from Floor 8 made up the group. To be honest, they just seemed keen to get involved with any kind of battle. Leo was the loud one, Anton was mostly silent. I invited them to my flat after Molly swiftly adjourned the meeting. Inviting anyone into my home made me anxious now. I found myself studying each of their faces to ensure they weren't too average and I hadn't invited the wrong people in. I was fairly certain I hadn't. Eddie and Ellie settled in front of my TV in the bedroom so they didn't hear our conversation. They may only be kids, but I felt safer with them there. We discussed for hours how we could bring the imposter people into one place and kill them all. Leo was particularly creative. He came up with weird and wacky ways to end them, from locking them in a room <laughs> and blasting with fire extinguishers until they freeze, to herding them into the lift between 1.11 and 3.33 a.m. The That's whole time, what I was thinking, actually. I hadn't actually thought of that. I'm surprised. The whole time I waited nervously for a knock on the door for them to come to us, but they didn't. We got time to plan, but despite the time, it never really took off. No idea seemed feasible. I shared everything I knew. My conversation with Prue, the night before in Terry's flat, everything. Precious listened to my tales intently before speaking. Derek would have helped us. He was a great man. He used to turn up at my door in the dead of night just as those lights started and take my dog for a walk. She spoke of a gardener with a fondness. Prudence, Prudence oh, yeah. told me, sorry. Prudence told me about Derek. She said he's been gone since the garden was demolished. I replied flatly. It was awful when he left. That woman that used to live here was nasty to him. I watched out my window as she tore up the garden. I know she was grieving for that little girl, but I know Derek only ever wanted to help. Oh, that was Shanti. Shanti spoke up from the corner. She had been pretty quiet the whole time. He was the whole reason we don't have those awful creatures from the lift all over our homes anymore. My brother was killed by one before the agreement. He was four years old. Oh. That would fucking ruin me. 
And it like and she said that was before the agreement. So that means that they like ripped him up in their house. Fuck. Four year old. I twitched as she told her story. Shanty had such sad eyes, and speaking about her brother only filled them further with sadness. This is another thing I don't understand. Why have any agreement if you manage to kill most of them? Why not all? I asked, feeling anger over Jamie burnt through my throat as I spoke. Precious laughed. Terry shot her a look from across the room. No one's told you the whole story, have they? Shanty asked, a single tear running down her face. What do you mean? This was driving me insane. Nothing was simple. How could I trust anyone? When Prudence and some of the others killed the creatures, they killed a large group of them in one hit. They had started to work out that the food scraps and pet food were attracting them, and they gathered all the pet food in the tower block in one empty flat on the corner the fire had happened. The creatures came in droves, just like they expected, and they set the flat alight. Again. The flat was burnt to ash on top of pre-existing ash. Damn. Nothing could survive that. Shanti was interrupted after this by Leo. And then three giant rat motherfuckers literally rose from the ashes, triple as strong and smart and fucked shit up, he said, Fuck. a look of excitement on his face. Shanti rolled her eyes and continued, So all Prudence did was cause a quite literally bigger problem. She didn't kill them all. All she did was help them evolve. Fuck. There was only three of them, but they learned to sneak attack. More people died than during the original infestation. They were more intelligent, but not in the way it could come across when the agreement spoken about. We couldn't speak to or reason with them. Terry was looking at the floor. Only Derek was able to do that. He spoke to them like he spoke to his garden. He made it safe for everyone again. I wasn't there, I was too young, but there, there we were told he didn't even have to use words. They understood just a series of movements and eye contact. Derek explained the rule with the lift. He told us it was a gesture of goodwill. The creatures needed a home and seemed attracted to the building, and we would let them live there and stop killing their kind if they would agree to stop killing ours. But to show them some respect, we would allow them a small time frame where they're able to unleash their instinctual nature. But only if someone came to them. There are only two left now. Prudence killed the other during what happened with her granddaughter. But that only made the two of them stronger. Like they absorbed the third one. I tried to take in all the information I was receiving, but I couldn't. It was too much. Derek isn't coming back. It's been years. This is pointless. Terry finally erupted. Precious laughed again. How do you know? You speak to dear old Prue all the time. Know something we don't? Precious spoke sarcastically, but I think she meant what she said. It was becoming clear that Prudence Hemmings wasn't too popular in this building. I don't speak to her all the time. We just keep in contact. She was always nice to me. Terry tried to weakly defend herself. That's because you're naive and a pushover. She used you because no one else would give her the time of day. Precious was about to launch into a full-on rant, 
I was glad Eddie and Ellie were in the other room and couldn't hear. I wondered if she'd seen them at night. I decided to stop the rant. This was becoming counterproductive, and we were getting nowhere with our plans. I interjected and told them that I needed them to leave so that I could sleep. Partly true, although I knew I couldn't sleep. I had other things to do. They all filed out of my flat, tearing the kids were the last to leave. She gave me a huge hug as she left and told me to get a proper night's rest, telling me she was always there for a cuppa and a chat. It was sweet. I felt sorry for Terry. The kids hugged me too as they left. I know she spoke to Prue, but I was certain that it really was entirely innocent. I sat in an empty flat, disheartened that my assembling of an army had turned into bickering shit show with no real suggestions on how to kill the imposter neighbors. I felt totally alone. I couldn't trust Prue or Ian or pretty much anything I thought I knew. Maybe Prue didn't even kill those neighbors. They only told me half-truths about the creatures after all. I was left alone with my thoughts again, and after a few hours, a good one finally struck me. But I needed supplies. I left the building and went to the nearest shop to gather items I needed. For what I needed in the time of night, I had to travel, travel to a 24-hour supermarket. I took half an hour each way on the bus, but I stayed focused. My bags were heavy and awkward on the way back to the block, but if it paid off, this was going to be worth it. I trudged up the stairs. It took me two trips and 24 flights of stairs instead of the 14 to get everything into my flat and organize it. It only took 16 and a large gym bag that was much easier to carry on the way back down, thankfully. I passed the man on floor five twice. Now I've noticed him. He made my skin crawl a little. Me too, homie. I walked through the downstairs corridor, diverting away from the main entrance and passing all the ground floor flats to the door at the back of the building. The door at the back led to a small concrete area with a grass strip along the side and a, I fucking knew it. You're right. You and called a stri- it. And a strip along the side of a bench decorated with a memorial plaque. This was the block's outside space. As is typical in the city, the whole bench was covered in graffiti. The memorial, unreadable. I got to work. I dug the strips of grass, turning soil with my new equipment. I had never been so green-fingered, and to be honest, the shrubs I had bought had been so heavy, I had grown to resent them a little. I worked for an hour and a half. I was sweating, and night had come. It was pitch black, and I was using my phone torch to see. I'd almost given up until I got up from my crouching position to stretch my knees. I reached my arms out, put down my shovel, and took a seat on the bench. I hadn't seen him arrive, but the man was already sat there. He wore a flat cap and a jacket. Despite it being the middle of summer and a beautiful night, He just smiled warmly at the shrubs for a moment without a word, until eventually he spoke. I've missed this place. Name's Derek. Yeah, you called it. (laughs) Cause I thought like what, you know, what would it take for him to come back? Yeah, and I mean, it's the only logical thing to try and do at this point, honestly. If he knows more and has the power to do something about it, you know, if, if Prudence was telling the truth about him, you know. He might be the person to talk to. Exactly. That Parts. was good. That was a good chapter. Absolutely. Ready to move on? Part 7. Some people are too good for this world. Oh. I sat silent for a moment in shock that my plan had even worked. 
It seemed almost too simple, too easy, but here he was. Derek had a kindly face, wrinkles around his eyes and cheeks only added to the softness of his expression. His white hair poking out from beneath his flat cap stood out in the dark night. I'm going to change my my accent now that I know he's like this little British white guy. Yes. <laughs> That's a lovely little patch you've planted. I can look after it if you like. I used to maintain the last garden here. He said, breaking the silence that had followed since his initial words. I know who you are. We need you was all I could manage. The mental exhaustion and fatigue from the whole experience had built up, but his arrival was like finishing a bad day working at school. I felt like I could relax again, even if only a little. What's your name, darling? I'm Kat. I live in flat 42 now. His face lit up as I confirmed my flat number. Prudence is gone. He asked. She's gone. But the whole place is a mess. So many things are happening and the residents are suffering, I answered. We chatted for what felt like hours, outside with nothing but moonlight. He told me how he used to consider the building part of the garden, a place for him to maintain the residence just like the plants he looks after. I explained my whole experience since moving in. I told him about Jamie and I sobbed. Derek held me as I cried and made me feel safe, something I had forgotten the feeling of since receiving Prue's note. He didn't interrupt. He just listened. I told him about Natalia and the cultists, the problems they had been causing. He was particularly heartbroken when he heard that they had used Eddie and Ellie for entry. He had gone before they were born, but remembered Terry as a child and how sweet she was. He was pleased when I told her what a sweet adult she had become. My claims that Prudence was the only person who knew how to kill the imposter neighbors was met with a skeptical expression, which gave me some hope. Derek listened to my entire tale with barely a word. When I finished, he stood up and asked me to follow him. I was confused, but I did as I was told. He walked me to the entrance of the lift. I lifted my arm to check the time on my watch. We had been outside for quite some time, and the idea of the creatures being inside made my heart pound and my stomach turn. You're safe. It's 12.32am. There's no need to worry or to check your watch. And with that, he pressed the call lift button. Despite his insistence that I was safe, my stomach continued to do gymnastics. It felt like forever before the lift finally made that clunking sound that meant it had reached the bottom. I felt my whole body shaking violently as the doors opened. I don't know what I expected to see. We were in the safe time zone, but every time I looked at the life, I pictured Jamie's... The lift. I pictured Jamie's dead, crunched up body. Step inside. He said. I can't. Please don't make me, I begged. I won't let anything happen to you, but you need to see something. There was such a sincerity in his eyes as he spoke. I had never trusted someone so completely so quickly, but every fiber of my being told me this man was entirely good. I stepped inside the lift. Derek stepped in behind me, placing a comforting hand on my shoulder as I hyperventilated. He gently turned me to face the panel of buttons that controls where the lift stops. If I were to cast any, any fucking actor to play this character, do, uh -huh. you, do you know where my mind immediately goes? I was thinking Ian McKellen, but you continue. Michael Caine. Yeah, yeah, valid. What's wrong with this panel? Do you see it, Master Bruce? 
He asked cryptically. <laughs> I studied the panel, read all the numbers, counting them. I couldn't see anything wrong. I tried. I really tried. But nothing seemed out of place at all. Everything you expected to find was there and nothing more. I shook my head, barely regaining my composure. Can you take us to floor nine, please? He smiled slightly as he made the request. I looked back to the panel to press the button, but floor nine didn't exist. I was so confused. I had counted the numbers. I was sure of it. Derek must have made it disappear. But the panel didn't look any different to before. I can't explain it, but looking at it, I would have sworn blind nothing was wrong with it. Even once I knew, but floor nine did not exist. Derek could see my frustration. It was like the building was now playing tricks on me. He walked me out of the lift and sat me down on the bottom of the stairs before he finally began to speak. The building is like a living organism. It can seal off parts of the world, and it can open up others you never could have imagined. When those awful people burned that whole floor of residence, I was devastated. Some wonderful people lived in those flats, both of the usual and unusual variety. But those people had no limit to their cruelty. Whole families burned alive. It was a tragedy that got me... <laughs> it was a tragedy that made me so angry. I felt so guilty when it happened. I can predict what some of our more tricky residents are going to do and make sure I'm there to help. But those people were nothing to do with this place. I couldn't see what they were planning, so I couldn't stop it. At this point, I noticed one of the hairless cats had sat between us. Derek looked at it with tears brimming in his eyes. He stroked it and moved on to his lap. Derek's fingers didn't burn at all. He continued. When it happened, the building used its defense mechanisms and sealed off the entirety of the floor. It stopped the fire from spreading and kept the hmm. perpetrators there to die by their own hands. Wow. The, the building only allowed the floor to be unsealed once they were dead. It took about a week before those awful people turned up again, asking for sugar at people's doors. The first few let them in. It was so difficult. So many residents burned alive that I was having to use their remains for my garden just to hide the dead. The entire community was terrified, grieving for those that died. No matter how hard I tried, I still couldn't predict them or see them. So I took Prudence, who at the time seemed a perfectly reasonable woman, to the burned out floor. Floor 9 however, had been sealed again. There was no button in the lift, and it always skipped on the stairs. Only no one had noticed. This building really is a magnificent creature. I stared at him in amazement through the whole story. I was exhausted, but my brain was working in overdrive to process what he was telling me. I had started to stroke the cat, too. My fingers did burn, but I didn't flinch. I found its company comforting. He carried on. I went back later that night and took the stairs again, alone this time. I think my intentions were clear and the stairs allowed me access to floor nine for the first time 
since just after the fire. I brought Prudence to the floor within the hour. The stairs had stopped skipping floor nine for me, although I later learned that when Prudence had tried alone, she was not allowed access. We explored the floor, walking amongst the remnants of our dear friend's belongings. Eventually, we came across one of the soulless arsonists roaming the halls. It appears that's where they spend their time when they aren't out terrorizing the residents trying to claim more victims. He was disturbed and disoriented to see anyone not like them on that floor. He twitched a little and spat out the sugar line as if it was an automatic response. I almost felt sorry for him. He claimed to come from flat 66 and more were approaching behind him. Prudence was terrified. She was starting to sweat profusely and back away from the man, but it didn't cool her down. He was burning her, slowly. It, I felt nothing. See, the stranger things in life just don't seem to affect me. I've never known why. Sometimes I even just know how to deal with them, like it's programmed into me. On this new playing field, in their domain, I knew what to do. I grabbed the man and ran him down to flat 66. Four doors from where we were standing, I threw him into the flat and waited. The other arsonists were approaching. The man tried to exit the flat. That was doorless after the wooden doors all burned to cinders in the fire. But as he reached to door, something stopped him. He couldn't leave, no matter how hard he tried, or how much he screamed. Prudence lit up. She grabbed hold of one that tried to kill her friend, Molly. She remembered the flat number she had claimed to be from, and repeated my actions with a lot more sweating and some winces of pain. It worked again. Prudence wanted to go after the rest, but as they got closer, I could see the blisters forming on parts of her body. I dragged her out of the hallway and back into the stairwell. We ran. She begged me to take her back, kept telling me that the stairs wouldn't let her, that it was too dangerous. The residents had started to learn not to let them in, and we had no casualties at all after we trapped the first two. Don't get me wrong. It's a problem I was intending to deal with. But it was around that time that we first learned the council would be building that monstrosity over the top of my garden. He gestured to the window that just showed me some of the neighboring tower block. This left me not at my best. My intuition was failing me. When a few months after that, I allowed Prudence and Molly to herd the creatures from the lift to floor nine. You called that. Mm-hmm. It's one of my biggest regrets. I should never have walked them up there. But I didn't know she was going to burn them all. She didn't give me a chance to reason. I became mistrusting of everyone and distracted not long after I went away for a long while. So I guess the arsonists remained, and now they're threatening you. Tomorrow I will go. I will fix the mess I left behind. I'm so sorry it's affected you so badly. I'd love to meet these twins. They sound incredibly brave. They are, I finally interrupted. And I want to be there tomorrow. I want to lock Natalia away for good. I can't allow it. 
you'll be attacked. He cut me off entirely. I let it drop instantly, but in the back of my mind, I knew I would be there, no matter what. I went to sleep that night with my mind reeling. I wondered where Derek slept and if he even needed to. I doubt it. The next morning, I left my flat early, passed the man on floor five, and sat at and waited at the stairs on floor... Sorry, this is a... They use the word at like 50 times in this sentence. The next yeah. morning, I left my flat early, passed the man on floor five, and sat and waited on the steps at floor eight. I tested it, of course, and just like anticipated, ascending any higher took me straight to floor 10, or 11, depending on if he hit a skip. So I returned to floor eight, and I waited. Derek hadn't indicated what time he was coming, but I was ready. I would wait all day and night if I had to, but luckily I didn't. Derek was climbing the stairs at around 11 a.m. I had already been there for three hours, but it had been worth it. He looked particularly unimpressed to see me. His face still looked kind, though, even with the sour expression. I can't stop you, can I? He sighed, sounding resigned in his tone. Not for anything. You have to promise me to stay back. If you get your girl appro- If you get your girl- What, what is he trying to say here? If you get I think your he's girl saying, to approach if your girl, you... Yeah, there we go. There you go. That's it. If you get your girl to approach you, you can do what you need to. But you have to stay back. He pleaded. I nodded and stood up. We ascended the stairs, and for the very first time in my new life here, I saw the big plastic sign saying nine. The floor that didn't exist. As we pushed through the door, it was like entering an entirely new world. Everything was black burned to carbon. You could smell nothing but charcoal. Literally nothing but empty shells of homes and flakes of what used to be sentimental objects remained. It was devastating to witness. If you've ever visited a mass gravesite, you'll understand partly how I was feeling. It was sickening to think of all the lives needlessly lost. But I didn't have time to think. Natalia walked towards me, flying down the hallway. How the fuck did you get here? She screamed. Her eyes were wide and angry. I started to feel hotter already. Derek grabbed my arm and pulled me next to him, making sure to keep a tight hold of it. What were you gonna say? I was gonna say, is she walking? Or is she, like, levitating? I'm gonna say she's literally flying. Yeah, because that's kind of scary. That's terrifying. Yeah, just a little. <laughs> and Derek just calmly, where do you live? Derek asked her. I started to back away as the sweat dripped from my brow. I desperately wanted to shout the number, but I couldn't. I was so hot. I wasn't functioning properly. Everything had become so overwhelming. I couldn't remember what Georgia had said, what flat Natalia had claimed to come from. Uh, I'm not that stupid. I saw what happened to them. She gestured over her shoulder to what must have been flats number 66, where a man laid on the floor, breathing but looking broken, just existing in that room. Prudence had been creative with the truth yet again. She didn't kill them. You can't kill them. What had Georgia said? I racked my brains as I felt the skin on my face start to sting. I imagined her melting away. It was happening to me. I was next. And then, as my hair started to singe at the ends, it came to me. 71, I screamed as loud as I could. I could barely see as Derek grabbed her and ran towards me with her. She was clawing at his eyes and face and screaming at him to let go, but he didn't burn. He just kept hold of her. 
When he approached flat 71, he beckoned me over. You do it, then get off of this floor. He was blunt but reasonable. I complied. I pushed hard. There was nothing but anger in her eyes. She pushed at my face hard with her hand, and I got her to cross the boundary into flat 71. I felt my skin sizzle and blister. My whole face was in agony, but I didn't stop pushing. Watching Natalia try to fight her way out of a door that didn't exist was both satisfying and humorous. The others had started to approach at the sound of the commotion. I lingered, hoping to watch her suffer, but Derek <laughs> shot me one look and I knew it was time to go. I ran out the corridor and back down into the stairwell. I stopped for longer than I probably should have, but I knew I might not get to see that nine again and it would be worth it. I waited for Derek on floor nine stairwell. I couldn't help but imagine the cultists burning to death the first time around. I could hear angry screams faintly from inside the corridor. They made me worry about Derek, but I knew that really I didn't need to. It took a while, but he eventually left the corridor and joined me in the stairwell. He didn't say anything. He just looked at me in the third-degree burns across my face. He didn't need to speak. I knew he'd fix the problem. Fix the problem is, like, such a brutal but also great way to talk about them. <laughs> they're like, um, they're like a calling in an extinguisher to their uh, exterminator to take care of, like, wasps. I, that's exactly like what hornets. I was thinking. Like a roach some, infestation. Right, exactly. We started walking silently back down the stairs towards my flat. I looked back up at floor nine, knowing the building would seal it off for good. It took a few floors to reach seven, and I invited Derek in for a cup of tea. He rejected it, saying he wanted to go and visit some old friends. Despite my injuries, I couldn't help but smile. Something I'd done was going to help these residents. I stood at my door and watched Derek walk away, pleased that there was some true good in this building. After a few steps down the hallway, Derek started to fade, almost like a CGI ghost in a movie. Every step, he became more transparent. I felt my stomach turn again, like it had outside the lift. I ran out to follow him. I called after him, but by the time I had reached where he had been, he was gone. I walked the entire corridor to the window at the back. I looked out the window into the small concrete heavy garden and hoped to see him sat at the memorial bench. I didn't see him. Instead, I saw Prudence hacking at my tiny planted patch with shears. That bitch! I swear to God! Uh, she feels... See, there's, there's something we're missing about Derek. Yeah, something's missing here. There, as much as I don't like Prudence, right? She... She knows what she did was wrong. Right? Her right. morality is intact. Right. That See, that's my thing, too. And she keeps uh, saying that she doesn't trust... She's not a good trust... person, but her morality is intact. Right. And my other thing, too, is that she keeps saying she doesn't trust Ian. But, like, he hasn't fucking done anything to her. Like, he has not told her any lies. Nothing he said... And Prudence said Ian could be trusted. Exactly. But because she doesn't trust Prudence, she's applying she it to him. Right. It's, it's connected to everyone, she said. Right. But at the same time, Prudence also hasn't really, like, lied. You know what I mean? Like, she hasn't lied about anything. She She's didn't just want to tell like, the truth. Right. When she egged on, she did. Right. Like, she did eventually. Like, when it became clear that she wasn't going to give up, slash, that the, she, I think that Prudence She wanted to like, teach her a lesson. Right. And, well, also, I think she was hoping that the truth wouldn't be necessary. Because, I mean, like, I mean, if I fucking accidentally mutated my dead granddaughter into a vicious man-eating rat thing, I wouldn't want to talk about it either. No, I wouldn't want to talk about it, but if it were ramification and another person was heading right toward, exactly. I would show them the same as 
exactly like she did you know what I mean so like I I just I don't know something's up something's up I I emphatically agree and I don't know how to feel about it because Derek if Derek is bad Mm -hmm. then he's a necessary evil in in my head he he may be to blame for something maybe Prudence just has something against him like the Mm -hmm. like the like the daughter thing like mm-hmm. maybe she's just pissy and wants to see him gone mm-hmm. um which you know fair for what happened to you know her her granddaughter but um you know you asked for it and you get what right. you deserve sometimes so and exactly and like my thing is that like i i think that derek is some kind of mechanism like that the building has produced because he described the building uh, as like a living kind thing. of like how ego if you know mm-hmm. marvel kind of like shows his kurt russell form yeah exactly but like, is, I, but ego is the planet right exactly like i think that derek is some kind of like because like the building Projection. has so many right and there are so many weird and evil things that are both like part of the building but also attracted to it so Derek I feel doesn't like Derek seem to really exist on this plane. No, like he's something else. Like he's some he's part of something bigger, but he's not like he's definitely not a person. But yeah, I wonder if it's some kind of funky like balancing act and like he's going to rebalance things, but because he just did all of this shit with the cultists, there's going to be some cost that's yeah. like really really bad and it might be that prudence was keeping things specifically out of balance so that this consequence wouldn't come to pass sure so where it's where it's like she's technically wrong because but she's also trying to stop something horrible maybe from coming what to pass. we understand as a necessary evil isn't and right. maybe this is the only way to keep it away mm-hmm. exactly the warding of of a spirit mm-hmm. exactly Part 8, it's time to end this madness. Part 8 out of, like, fucking, like, 18 or 16 or something, and this is, this is, this is the fucking... (laughs) This is what you're saying? (laughs) When I saw her out that window, garden shears being gripped by both hands with a maniacal expression on her face, I just stood still. I was frozen to the spot in shock. I felt no pain at all from the burn on my face. Everything was numb. The relief of eradicating the imposter neighbors and the joy of finding a friend in Derek was hacked away in an instant. Just like every leaf from my shrub. Why would she do this? What had I ever done to her? Fair. It's not about you. I don't think it's about her at all. Unfortunately. No. You're just Unfortunately. Bi- You've always just been a bystander. Every Sorry, question Kat. possible crossed my mind. I could feel the frustration bubbling inside of me. Everything about this place just threw up question after question, and for every answer I got, there were ten new questions waiting to be asked. At the moment in time, though, only one was truly important. How did Prudence know? I thought about Terry and her telephone conversations. I didn't want to think that she was a sweet lady, and I thought Terry had turned out to be, you know... I didn't want to think that the sweet lady I thought Terry had turned out to be would do that but it did cross my mind I thought of Ian the postman I'd had bad vibes from him for a while maybe he'd seen Derek coming up the stairs while on one of his rounds that morning 
I stood there frozen, pondering all these things until I saw Prudence collapse onto the memorial bench, sobbing, head in her hands. She was surrounded by the remains of my attempt at a garden while the shears laid out on the floor. The stairs were kind to me on the way down. It took four flights to make it to the bottom. I ran down the corridor, out the back entrance of the block, no idea what I was going to say. Prudence! Was all I could manage. Nice one, cat. She sat bolt upright before turning and standing quicker than I thought possible for an old lady. An, an old lady. Mm -hmm. You evil, stupid little girl. Do you have any idea what you've done? She screamed so much animation in her face that the spaces between her wrinkles pulsated like veins on an angry weightlifter. Me? You think I'm evil? You left that shitty note hidden, missing everything I need to know, and got my boyfriend killed. And what you're doing to your own- I screamed, tears beginning to roll before she interrupted me. Don't you dare talk about her! Her voice cracked and she broke down again, this time falling to her knees, twigs and leaves sticking to the bottom of her dress. I didn't know what else to do, so I sat down on the floor. I knew that it was probably a bad idea. This woman couldn't be trusted, and I'd forgotten that. But seeing an old lady crying on the cement floor still made me feel awful. How did you know about the garden? I asked her calmly, trying to change my approach. She shoved a crumpled up piece of paper into my hand. She didn't look at me. Her eyes remained on the floor. Dear Prudence, I couldn't exist knowing what I'd done. I should never have told you about it. The last two won't grow stronger. She was never theirs to begin with. But I have to end her suffering. I'm sorry. Derek. You know what? Oh. Fuck Prudence. Fuck Prudence. Derek's right. Derek is 100% right. Y'all better put some fucking pansies down the in there and bring that man back right now. If this is why she's mad... I'm, I'm sorry, was was your life feeding your granddaughter fucking kibblin bits in a fucking cage in your garage what you what you would call a perfect situation? Apparently. Nick fucking this was, excuse me. This was how she wanted to spend her retirement, I guess. It's no so here's here's the thing. Like I can get someone perpetuating a situation because they feel guilty and because mm -hmm. they, they the, the ramification of their actions is literally in front of them. Mm -hmm. Um but how about, you know, how would you would you would you ever possibly fucking think for maybe a fucking second that um, it's not about you and what you want and the fact that maybe bringing this thing uh, back from the dead uh, was in, terrible. In, in the form of a fucking <laughs> creature might be uh, worse than death or might be right? the worst decision you could possibly make? Literally, and like it's literally living in a shed in a in cage. a cage. Like it's like there, it doesn't see the light of day. It doesn't go outside. It has no life. Like this is would... worse than the pet cemetery argument. At least literally. the pet cemetery argument I could get behind because it still is kind of like the person you knew. It's just evil at the same time. Right. Exactly. You know, Which it's is like, terrible. Oh, it still but... looks like my cute little boy, but fuck, he just killed the neighbor. Oh, sad face. That's oh, really well. sad. Kids are no, quirky. this is literally a fucking monster that you keep in it's your garage. It's literally like, like it's it's we, not what, even sentient. Why is this even a discussion? Right. I mean, and I maybe, almost and felt we, like it was it was Cat's first assumption when she walked in there. Like, why the fuck do you have this? Right. And you know what else though? I just said that it isn't even sentient. But you know what? I'm probably wrong about that. And that actually makes no, they're it definitely worse. sentient. They've they've because they've they've said that they've had the ability to understand. 
Right, like, and so that so that means that not only is she sentient, she is sentient enough to know that she is miserable and suffering and starving and trapped. Like that's and Derek, horrible. Derek literally uses the woods put her like end her suffering, mm-hmm. put her out of her misery. Because he's right. Yeah, I'm shook. Fuck, fuck Prudence. For real, hashtag fuck Prudence. <laughs> hashtag fuck Prudence. I knew Name what it. he had done as soon as I finished the note. Lila, or what was left of her, was gone for good, and of all the creatures, only Jamie's killers from the lift remained. That's how Derek had spent the last few hours I'd slept between our encounters. This is all your fault, she sniffed. My whole family are gone because of you. No, they're gone because of you. Prudence. It's literally your fault, Prudence. Fucking you literally a. yourself. Take some fucking responsibility. At every possible turn, you played yourself Such over and over again. Such an old person move. <laughs> Literally boomer. That hurt a lot. I trembled as I tried to speak, but I always really hated confrontation. And I could feel myself starting to glitch. How can you say that? I saw her and she was trapped in a tiny cage eating dog food and small animals your family died in that lift just like my jamie hashtag truth i may have struggled to get my words out but i wasn't about to let prudence hemmings blame me for her decisions good girl good good fucking author lila mm-hmm. was better off dead than what she was however awful that may sound what happened to your face prudence growled at me take you to visit floor number nine he did that he did this to her in the first place not me and now he's disfigured you she was spinning things i could feel throbbing as she mentioned my face i really should have had medical attention this isn't his fault you messed him up and he did that to her because of you you told me that yourself i tried ferociously to defend derek but something inside of me still felt uncomfortable about what he'd done I couldn't help it. Lila was an innocent little girl who shouldn't have been punished for Prue's mistakes. This whole thing was such a mess. I was grieving, and then I had her back for all those years, and then I lost Bernie, and then my new home, and now I have to grieve for her all over again in first world problems. Prudence continued to cry, but softer. I looked around at the chaos she created, and up from up at that block my boyfriend had died in, and rolled my eyes in disbelief that she could be so selfish. (laughs) She continued. Of course she did. Let me tell you about Lila. She was a beautiful little girl. As I mentioned before, I have, she's a beautiful little rat creature. As I mentioned before, I have two other children. They've had many other grandchildren. However, I hadn't spoken to my eldest in two years, even before what happened with Lila. Lila was my first opportunity to get to know one of my grandchildren. Bernie adored her, too, always reading her stories and sneaking her sweets. I begged my son to allow her to stay, because her just coming for a single afternoon to visit her grandmother wasn't enough for me to have a fucking relationship, and I just needed her to fucking sleep on my couch for like a night for some goddamn reason. My children were all incredibly... (laughs) I ad-libbed that part. Jesus. (laughs) My children were all incredibly ungrateful. They had it easy growing up and still resented me. I gave them a good, strict upbringing, but they didn't appreciate it. They said I was a cruel mother. Lila's dad was the only one I spoke to, but our relationship still wasn't that of a typical loving mother and son, but she was a second chance. It was a miracle when he agreed. 
I was more shocked he had convinced his wife to allow it. That allowed... That awful harlot of a woman never liked me, although I didn't like her much either. This they bitch just gets worse <laughs> Literally and the worse. worse the more she keeps talking. <laughs> they refused to speak to me after everything. I haven't heard from them since. They had more grandchildren I'll never meet. I knew at the time my relationship with any of my children were over for good, so when Derek gave me a solution, I took it. I wasn't entirely truthful when we first spoke. No, shit! I said I hadn't wanted this, but I was desperate. There was never a way to bring her back safely. Derek explained what she would become to me. He was initially trying to put me off, even trying to get her back. I knew exactly what I was getting myself into. <laughs> then why did you fucking do it? She is literally the worst fucking person. So the person the you love is going to come back from the dead, but they're going to have rat cancer. Are you oh, good, perfect. Are you okay? They're going to have to live in your garage, are you sure? No, 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 that's great. I love having They only cancer. live off of kibble and bits, is that okay? No, that's fine. I have some rats I need to give you to the rat cancer. You have to invest in some type of system where you feed them in the morning much like a dog, mm -hmm. but never let them out of their cage, and this is all okay for you? Yeah, this sounds great. Perfect. That's exactly the kind of relationship fucking I want to have with up. my loved ones. Yeah, right. fucking sign me right. up. Check ideal. the box. I, hashtag ideal. Smash that red button. I fucking, I fucking hate her. <laughs> I hate her so much. This bitch had better die. We're good. I think we should let Natalia out again. The and worst turn her on characters Curtis. always survive. You, you right. gotta know, reading no sleep, the worst characters always Fuck. survive. <laughs> but I couldn't pass up the idea of my beautiful little Lila needing her grandma forever. She doesn't fucking oh, need you. You got her killed. Fucking God. A, dude. I supposed I was too ashamed to admit it before, but why should I be ashamed? Because you fucking murdered her. Because my you're a terrible <laughs> Because you're a terrible fucking person. My altercation with Derek happened after she was back, when he tried to kill her the first time. Spouting the same things on that note, what kind of monster wants to kill a little girl? Well, she's not oh a little my. girl anymore. You killed she's a little girl. Not. She's fucking she has rat She has rat cancer. That's why I trashed the garden. He oh said he wasn't God. coping with the news of the new block when he suggested it, that he should have told me it was even possible that she had to die. I hid her under the bulldo until the bulldozers came in. When oh he disappeared, God. I thought it was safe to spend the rest of my life with her. Bernie hated me, for good reason. Spending hey, good. time with Lila was all I lived for. I grew to love her how she was. What? I felt sick. Listening to Prudence talk about... Or talk bought up so many repressed feelings about Jamie. I hadn't had time to grieve or process anything. I missed him terribly. My old life and my old future felt a million miles away. I was relieved to know that Derek hadn't tricked Prudence, or even intended to create Rat Lila. He was truly good. But she didn't get to have a life. You lived for her, but she wasn't really living. How could a sane person do that to their own flesh and blood? I retorted logically and thoughtfully. Right? <laughs> you have no idea. No, she has every idea. No, she's right. <laughs> this place can make you do irrational things, but she had a life. She had me. It's all she needed. <laughs> she was certainly right about the building and the irrational actions. The pain intensifying on my face throbbed in agreement, but I was still convinced she had lost it, Dr. Frankenstein style, when Rat Lila was concerned. She had stopped crying. 
Her rage levels were rising again. I could tell her that it really wasn't the child she'd known, but she seemed to have grown an entirely new attachment to the creature that replaced what she lost. Every Jesus rational Christ. agreement... It's like giving a woman a dog when her son just got killed in a car accident. I'm yeah, sure she's exactly. going to fucking love the dog, but it doesn't replace the son in any fucking way. Nope. Every rational argument I gave was met with increasing levels of screaming. Get those shears away from her sister. You're going to lose a hand. She got less coherent as she went on. Great. Glad to hear it. Happy for her. The argument was going nowhere. We went back and forth for what felt like forever. After a while, she started to get closer to me. We had both stood up by this point, and despite her haggard and frail appearance, Prudence was truly frightening. She looked like Russell Crowe level unhinged. Her words were no longer going in. I was overwhelmed and had too many thoughts rushing through my mind to process her ranting. I took a few steps back, clearing a small distance between us. By this point, out of the corner of my eye, I could see neighbors and windows of the block watching the altercation outside. Prue's screaming had brought a lot of attention. It was bright, and I couldn't see well, but I turned to scan the window and did recognize Eddie and Ellie watching from their bedroom trying to wave at me. They frantically waved and pointed. Oh, no. I tried waving back and gesturing to them, but they kept pointing at me. Why are they pointing? And then I heard the garden shears scraping against the ground as Prudence picked them up and charged towards me. I fucking called it. You ignorant little bitch. You aren't even listening. You don't deserve my home. You killed her. (laughs) Jesus Christ. I live for this shit. Prudence had better get a brutal death. Like, I want Trip on the shears. I want... I, twi- I need guts. I want twi- her guts out. The twins had been telling me to turn around, and I shouldn't have taken my eyes off of her. Luckily, unlike my earlier shock when I had first seen her, I didn't freeze. My fight-or-flight instincts kicked in, and I ran faster than I ever have before. I burst back into the building and heard neighbors on the bottom floor lock their doors in a symphony of bolts clicking. I couldn't blame them. Prudence wasn't far behind me, and I wouldn't want to take her on in her current state even if I had given a choice. But it didn't stop me, pounding on their doors, begging someone to call the police. Although someone told me that in this building that wasn't going to happen, I ran up the stairs, still being followed by her. By the second floor, most were still locked, but a few had come out of their homes, armed with a variety of heavy objects. (laughs) Even in crisis, I couldn't fault the community spirit here. I ran another flight of stairs that became two, but still lead me to floor three, and then the back of the corridor, I pounded on Terry's door. My heart was racing, but when I turned, Prue was nowhere to be seen, probably still running up an endless staircase if the the house has anything to do with it. Maybe the guy on floor five, like, uh... (laughs) Well, I'm just thinking it's the staircase itself. Like, if the house has any well-meaning, it's gonna keep her there for a while. Yeah, good point. But I don't want to think about the guy on floor five. He scares me, and I don't want to talk about it. Yeah, I know. It. He's so scary. He hasn't done anything. And I'm still like... <laughs> we're just going to find out that his name is, like, Kyle, and he does nothing but, like, hang out. He's just drinking monsters across the hands. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> my heart was racing, but when I turned, Prue was nowhere to be seen. I was hoping the people who came out on floor two had stopped her, but something was odd. I hadn't heard any commotion. Oh, This God. wasn't the end of it. Eddie and Ellie hugged me tight as Terry let me in and bolted the door shut quickly behind me. I told her about what happened and she couldn't believe what Prue had done. It turned out no one knew about Lila. Fuck, that's a bomb. 
I was edgy for the first hour, but Prue had disappeared. Terry helped to clean up my burn and put some cold compress on it. She offered to take me to the hospital, but I couldn't. I was too shaken up from what had just happened. I couldn't face trying to explain how I'd sustained my injuries, and I still hadn't reported Jamie missing. Oh. That's even worse. He still oh, hadn't baby. had any messages from his family, and work had given up calling, but his friends had started. They were harassing me nonstop, but I'd been too distracted to come up with a decent lie. I had been... I don't know. In this situation, I'd probably say he, like, left, and that mm-hmm. and that I haven't seen him, and he said, he said something like he was breaking up with me and just left. I, I don't... Honestly, I probably would have It's probably the just... easiest lie to tell. I probably would have just reported him missing. Like, it's, you know, but it's easy for me to say I would have reported him missing, like, but we'd all be after, caught but, up in right, this shit. It, it's like this kind of shit you can't, I can't fucking anticipate how I would have reacted to this. It had been a week since I moved in, and it wouldn't be long until people realized something was seriously wrong. Mm-hmm. My conversations with my family had been short, with me insisting they didn't visit until we were quote unquote unpacked and set up. On top of a murderous old lady and an untold amount of abnormal issues, the real-world problems were starting to creep up on me. I sat with Terry for hours, drinking tea and just chatting with her. It started to get dark, and Eddie and Ellie came into the living room after playing in their room for a while. The voids replaced the big, brown puppy dog eyes again, and their claws looked especially sharp. But to me, they were still adorable. I'm not going to lie, the demon kids are growing on me a little bit. If they don't fuck up our main character, I'm kind of on board. Right. I'm attached to the main character, honestly. Like, I'm, I'm like... It's because she's logical <laughs> as fuck. Right, and she's honestly She's making all of really the right real-world well. decisions. You right, know? exactly. And Trauma she's reacting very normally. Their transformation prompted me to head back to my flat. It was late. I needed to work out what to do next and how to dig myself out of this giant hole. I couldn't help just keep planting gardens. Yes, yes you can. Yes you can. And she yes, will she keep can. tearing them down, but you can keep putting them up and getting help from Derek. Yes you right. can. You can do that. And you should. It's easier than like a 911 phone call at this point, so just do it. Mm-hmm. I needed to do this myself. No, I wandered up the stairs. They went on for a while, but nothing too horrific. I passed the man on floor five, nodding politely and continuing my ascent. I wondered if he'd ever received the letter of concern yet. He was a little unsettling. Just when I got little. to my floor, Mr. Prentice was making his animal noises again. I smiled, which hurt my face. After all the madness, I was starting to find the seemingly benign horrors of this building oddly comforting. I reached my flat and turned the key in the door before bolting myself in like Terry had. I could feel something wasn't right the moment I entered. Uh, The flat was in chaos, which was nothing new because we had only moved in a week ago and I had been too preoccupied to unpack, but things were out of place. The organized chaos wasn't how I'd left it. Then she strolled in out of my kitchen. Of course she was there, because why not? Prudence Hemmings. She was carrying a large carving knife in her left hand this time, and she had prepared for her attack. She smiled at me and lifted her right hand, jingling a set of keys that she had entered with. I turned to unbolt the door, but she grabbed me from behind before I could turn the handle to open it and held a knife to my throat. I will kill you for what you've done, she whispered into my ear. And without a second thought, I leaned forward just a tad and swung my head back as hard as I could. 
I couldn't believe that it worked, but I must have broken her nose. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah. Prudence dropped the knife and clutched her face, blood streaming Bitch. between her fingers. I went to grab the knife, but she was closer and doing the same thing. I had no other option but to run again. I grabbed the door handle and turned it to exit the flat as she tried to stab me. I was yeah. mostly out the door, but her arm was close enough to reach my side, and I felt the knife pierce the side of my torso. Fuck. I was in searing pain, but I didn't stop running. As I stepped outside of my flat, I could still hear Mr. Prentice's noise flooding, flooding the entire hallway, and it gave me an idea. I ran Excellent. towards his door. <laughs> yes. Prudence stabbing at me frantically with blood gushing from her nose. A few got me as I stopped outside flat 48. The pain was awful and I could feel myself starting to drift out of consciousness. I was losing a lot of blood. I would give my last breath to end proof, so running on nothing but adrenaline, I knocked hard on flat 48 and shouted, Mr. Prentice, can you help me? It was a shot in the dark. I didn't know what would happen, but I had to try something. Fucking wild card. Good girl. She stopped stabbing me, and she was enjoying watching me bleed out slowly from the wounds she had already inflicted. I was incredibly weak, and I lost consciousness a lot long after that. But before I did, I heard a heavy clunk from the inside of Flat 48, chain yes. locks being released, and bolts yeah. being undone. I watched with blurry vision as a large creature that I could only describe as a cross between a bull and a wolf charged out of the flat and trampled the old witch to death. Fuck yes. I heard her bones crunch just as I slipped away. Perish, you old cunt. <laughs> we are in agreement. I woke up from the hospital a day later. My parents were there, as were the police. Apparently, I had been found just outside the tower block with my handbag missing by a neighbor who had been watching from a window as it happened. The police told me that the person had seen the mugging out of their window. They had just seen two men approach me and Jamie splash something in my face, attack us, and when he tried to fight back, they bundled my boy. I, I bet this was Molly. Oh, Coming man. up with something. Yeah, something smart. <laughs> something, or maybe Derek. Something methodical. I think Derek's mm -hmm. still gone. Okay. If the garden's well, wondering... gone, he's gone. Right. I'm wondering if, like, if the bush is, like, still there, if maybe it sprouts, like, a little bud or something. If that'll <laughs> maybe enough. that's enough. But, like, I don't know. I don't know his rules. Stick a twig in the ground and say it's a tree, and then Derek yeah, shows really. up and he's like, not really, and, like, fades away. <laughs> they had seen two men approach me and Jamie splash something in my, f in my face, attack us. And when he tried to fight back, they bundled my boyfriend into a car, which the police had been searching for, to no avail. He was officially missing. I was baffled, but grateful that Jamie's disappearance wouldn't be blamed on me. I went along with it and made out that he had ghosted work to enjoy our first week living together. I had been stabbed four times, but thankfully in all the right places, if there is such a thing as the right place to be stabbed. I lost a lot of blood, but I was going to be fine. They were all shallow. They assumed my burns were chemical and happened during the mugging as well. The police promised to keep us updated, but they still couldn't find the car. They never will. I wish the story the police had been told were true. It left some hope for Jamie. My parents weren't keen on returning to the flat after what happened. They said the area was too rough, and that I was living proof it wasn't safe. They offered to collect my stuff for me. I insisted, though, told them that I wanted to see how I felt, and they couldn't force me not to. 
I don't know. I'd probably move back in with my parents. <laughs> yeah, I'd be lie. done. I, I, I would be out. I'd be out. This would be it for me. Last straw. It's like, what else is there for you? You could visit although, Terry. Like, it's fine. Although, frankly, the window washer, like, showing up the very first time would have been the last straw for me, like, initially. Like, literally, oh, I would yeah. read the note. Yeah, yeah, the yeah, window yeah, washer yeah, yeah. would show yeah. up, and I would be like, no. <laughs> well, look, for me, for me, ignorantly, the window mm-hmm. washer showing up and asking for a drink, I'd open the door and give him a beer and probably die. Uh. No, same. I absolutely would. I would absolutely give him water. Absolutely. Yeah. I'd be like, oh, let me get... I literally offer every maintenance guy that comes in here, like, a coffee or a glass of water I every single fucking time. Because <laughs> I don't drink beer, and there's tons of beer here. Dude, I literally... Every time, like, somebody comes to work on my car, I offer them... St- like, I always try to give people stuff. And it has backfired on me before. So... <laughs> You'd think I would learn the lesson. Uh... Anyways. I was re- released from the hospital two days after I woke up in there, and when I arrived at the flat, it was strange. It felt like home, despite everything. Something about the place drew me to it. I took the lift for the first time since Jamie died. I had to. I hadn't recovered enough to conquer too many stairs just yet, and I couldn't guarantee they'd be kind to me. I smiled at the lack of a button nine and winced at the thought of the creatures. As I reached my corridor, I saw Mr. Prentice walking along with his newspaper and milk in a bag. He turned to me and smiled. I wasn't sure you'd come back. It's nice to see you're up and walking. He made small talk as if I hadn't seen him literally trample a woman to death a couple of days prior. The whole experience had been so disorienting that I started to wonder if I really had been mugged and had dreamed the note and everything that's happened since. Then he said something that confirmed everything was real. I never liked Mm -hmm. that woman but you've got a real friend in the lady downstairs. He winked at me and turned the key in his door. I, I love him. I love him. <laughs> He's simple, and I love it. I love him. He's just an angry old werewolf, and totally. he's just vibing. I support him. I'm going to leave raw meat outside his door as, like, a peace offering. Like You don't want to do that. <laughs> we're or best else the friends. creatures will get... Shit, you're right. I'll do it. I'll, I'll do it during. I'd the just hour stop that by I'm with a fucking pie when he's human form and be like, yeah, "Thank true. you." True. I got into mine and sat down on the secondhand sofa. I felt empty but relieved, with Prue and imposter neighbors all gone. The only threat left were the creatures in the lift, who were only a threat between one eleven and three thirty three. You're forgetting window washer. We're also only halfway through. We're, Maybe we're it, not, right, uh, right. We're barely halfway through on page count. Maybe uh, I could start to live a semi-peaceful life in this place. You fool. <laughs> Terry knocked on the door of my handbag that I had left at hers before Prue attacked me in my flat on her arm. Mr. Prentice was right. She was a good friend. I thanked her for what she'd done, for what she'd told the police, so it was to her. She, sure, she said it was pure luck that she found me. She had been walking up to return the bag and found me and Prue sprawled out on the floor. I asked her what happened to Prue's body, and she just pointed in the direction of flat 48. He was eating it, she said. You know what? Good. <laughs> hey, I got. I said I wanted her guts out. Yeah. I said we got I wanted what we her guts wanted. out. <laughs> we got what we wanted. Guts out. It's been a few days now, and I've decided to stay. I can't imagine going back to a completely normal life after everything I've been through. I've grown quite attached to some of the building's quirks. I tried replanting the garden with the help of the twins. I ripped a few stitches doing it, but Derek never came. I think he's gone for good. 
No. I'm ready to fully embrace life here. The last few days have been hard, but there's some time to breathe. Along with the time to breathe came the time to grieve, and I've been grieving badly for Jamie. This leads me to the last thing I have to tell you. Last night I laid in bed, plagued with thoughts of Prue and everything that happened here, but what I couldn't get to leave my mind was how much happiness it bought her to have no. Lila back. It no. infected everything of my thoughts. No. I know you all warned me not to. Cat. But I did it. Cat. I repeated the ritual. Catherine. I haven't caught him yet, but I've heard him scratching. Jamie's back. No. Catherine. <laughs> no. So that's the end of story one. I forgot that this was split into like two big parts. Let me see how long part nine is to decide Catherine. whether or not we're reading that tonight. Catherine, god damn it. I, I just know. lost all all the respect for her. I gone. know. We thought literally she was, we thought she was doing good. Literally all the yeah, respect. Yeah, we can was gone. read we can read one more. Alright, well, here, now I God hoping, damn it. Now I want Cat. her dead, so. I don't want her, I don't want her dead, but. I do. I'm, I'm upset. She's, she, I. Mm. No, we've, we've all been there, right? Like, we've all, we've all been, I've, I've lost friends, right? Me too. And I've been, and I've been absolutely hammered one night and been like. I know it's fucked up to say it, but, like, if I could trade places, you know, oh, I'd, yeah. I'd be willing to do that for, for how good of a person that was that was lost. You know, like, Listen, we've, we've all been on the end of that line before. Sure, yeah. The The bargaining stage is is painful. I honestly, I think the bargaining stage is possibly one of, I mean, honestly, every single stage of grief is horrific and terrible. And it's literally the You'll worst You'll do some you desperate shit. To, to, yeah, get, it's, to get what was lost back and, and it is I thought she was over thing. it but maybe she's only been here for the eventuality of kind of I I just I, I it's hard though for me because like listen I you know I lost I've lost friends I lost friend at a very young age I you know did the whole thing and I absolutely had some really silly <laughs> <laughs> very silly little reactions to being great and I, I'm I'm playing it down but I just cannot imagine seeing that seeing what like Prue did to her granddaughter and knowing knowing she knows that that Lila was suffering she knows she was suffering she knows she was suffering and then so just decided that that was okay. If you flat out and told that, me, okay, yeah, you can have your friend back, but he's going to come back as a fucking rat monster. My answer is going to be no, I'm not. I'm exactly. Not, I'm not crazy. I'm just saying that with her, with her idea of normal mm -hmm. now being completely fucked. Mm hmm. I can see why she is willing to be that desperate. I I appreciate I do appreciate that, and your defense but, of her is moving. I but, will say, but it doesn't make it better. I I I honestly this isn't am, gonna be good. I, what happens if 
what happens if Jamie fucking kills someone in in the in the building? Right. What if she and kills like, fucking Terry, you know, like Right? What if he kills one of the kids? What if like, he kills one of the kids? Right? Then it's you're no better, like, then you're worse. This is You're bad. literally worse. And also this side note, bad. like now the only way to free his soul from whatever torment hell she's put him into is now she has to kill him. Or yeah. have someone else kill him. Yeah. Like I, I it's just, gonna be I'm, like a fly scenario where I'm like, I'm, I'm like I love you and I'm crying and I have a shotgun and I just fucking blow him up. Yeah, exactly. It's like God, it's <clears throat> angry. It's tough. <laughs> I'm angry. It's tough, but okay. we're we're gonna read the first part of the second story to end out the All episode. Right. So so we're gonna end on another huge cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. Part Good. nine. The flat isn't new anymore, and I need a better guide. You need a better moral compass, you dumb bitch. I'm so You need a grocery list of shit at this point. And raw meat, apparently, for your new fucking rat boyfriend. <laughs> How's the sex? Non-existent. <sighs> Listen, I'm a monster fucker, but even I know where to draw the damn line. That's true. You wouldn't do this. No, absolutely not. Never. But I love him, Daddy. <laughs> right? Now, listen, Mr. Prentice, on the other hand, we can talk. We'll see. Bang, Depends. Bang, bang. <laughs> it's been a long time since I moved into this apartment, picked up that damn note from the tenant before me, and unlocked a world of demon window cleaners and vile rat-like creatures that live in the communal lift. If you don't know me, my name is Kat, and months ago I found myself living in a home filled with unusual occurrences. You can start here if you want to know more. If any of you do remember me, I'm back again and begging for your help. You you don't deserve it. <laughs> you dumb bitch. <laughs> I'm so I'm so angry at her because she was so logical. She, she was, was good. So well. She was, she was like our favorite. So well. She was like our favorite OP ever because Literally. she's done the opposite things of every big series we read before. You remember? Literally. You remember how like. Sorry to like continue breaking this episode up, audience. No, but you're like, fine. I didn't even introduce you, Cannibal Siren. Obviously, people know who it's I'm me. here with. The the point <laughs> the point of the the fucking Wendigo story we read that I I fucking hated was always yes. how willing that man was to go out into the fucking woods at night and just right? look around at shit. Cause how, right? cause how is that the right decision? And then Literally. every decision it came to with his wife or what ended up one. not being his wife. Right. Like, it's like, <sighs> we're just the opposite of what anyone would actually do in those scenarios. And it, and at right. some points it takes you out of the story because mm -hmm. later when I when we also read that the gay couple dealing with the doppelgangers mm -hmm. at, at some point, we also asked ourselves, like, what are you even doing? Like, right. what, what is we your like, plan? Bro. What is your game plan? <laughs> and just the answer ended up being, I'm going to, like, run away to my mom's house and get drunk and bitch. Like, mm -hmm. do you remember that being the answer? Right. It's so not. so like we finally had an OP who's just like we got a ghost problem, call an exterminator. We got a we got a rat problem, fucking murder him. Mm -hmm. We got a yep. we got a bitch trying to stab me, get my neighborhood minotaur to take care of it. Right, minotaur werewolf hybrid thing. I don't know. the The description was funky, but I'm down for it. Like I, I don't know what's going on, but okay. I'm into it. <laughs> yeah, I'm into it. I don't even really know how to begin with this, but I think I owe you all an apology. Yeah, you do. 
You warned me, gave me advice, and tried to stop me from making the biggest damn mistake of my life. I didn't listen. Instead, I let my emotional immaturity get the better of me. I really wish I listened. Well, at sorry. least she learned that quickly. Yeah, I feel like it like, would Prudence be impossible never not to. Prudence <laughs> right? never learned. True. Maybe, maybe seeing the rat is like what makes you go, oh, never mind, that, uh, what, that didn't take. I'm sorry I ghosted you all. I was embarrassed. I know I disappeared without a word, and for that I'm really sorry. I can't blame any of you for comparing me to Prudence. The events following my moving into the block had me in such an emotional place. You have to understand, it was a lot to take in. No one can be truly equipped to live somewhere like this. It was bound to catch up with me eventually. The months since I last updated you have been hellish, and now I've found myself in further trouble. It wasn't long after my last post that I caught Jamie. I enticed him into the flat with the cat food let out by the door. I ran the risk of being mauled alive by the remaining lift creatures to capture my monstrosity of a boyfriend. He was smaller than I thought. I expected him to be much larger than Lila because of the age difference, but he wasn't. Maybe as big as a large dog? Something I missed about Jamie more than anything was his once huge stature. An odd quality to consider, I know, but he was 6'3 and his cuddles felt like the safest place I had ever been. Looking at the small, deformed, humanoid creature hunched over, crunching on cat biscuits with its sharp, jagged teeth tucked under a grotesque rodent nose made me feel sick. I instantly knew that I'd made a mistake, that the love of my life was gone for good, but that thing had Jamie's eyes. They were unmistakable. That would be Suddenly, tough, but I'd have to do the whole, like, uh, look at the rabbits, George. Right? Thing. Literally. Like, the, just... Lenny. Le Sorry, it's George and <laughs> yeah. Lenny. Sorry, Lenny, you gotta look at the look at the flowers, look at the rabbits, think of the rabbits. Right, right exactly. Sorry. So, no, you're fine, you're right. <laughs> Suddenly, Prudence's need to keep Lila around made sense. I could see an entire life in those eyes that had been ripped away from me and I was too selfish to let it go. I suppose that in that respect, I'm exactly like her. Exactly what you all think. A monster. I fashioned a place to keep him hidden in the large built-in wardrobe of our bedroom. It wasn't like Lila's cage, cold and restrictive. It had space, lights, and photos of us before everything happened. You stupid whore. <laughs> I'm so... I what do you not seem to understand about rat person? I enriched his enclosure, and this will somehow be better. <laughs> For real. It was a, like a walk-in wardrobe. Ironically, it was something that originally attracted me to the flat. The only similarity to Lila's tiny cage was the large padlock that secured it. I tried everything to bring that little piece of Jamie left inside the creature out. I really did. I sat with him for hours, talking about our lives, reminiscing, and trying to feed him his favorite meals. He would make awful, raspy noises when I spoke to him at first, grunting and wheezing as if he were struggling to breathe. You know what? Let, me, let me take it back. Um, okay. Um, rat poison. He's literally, like, he's rat literally... Just put it in some cooking, put it in his favorite meal, and just slide it under the door, and then, you know, let let him just wait to stop hearing the breathing, and then mm -hmm. it's not so bad, and then he's just gone, and right? it's done. <sighs> I thought about... I received a f more than a few bites and scratches, and he refused to eat anything I gave him, opting for scraps instead. I thought about killing him a lot. It's a position I never thought I'd be in when we were searching for a home together, and at some point I realized I consider it daily. I've come close to attempting it more than a few times, but every time I look at those damn eyes, I can't. I'm weak. So I've tried to cope. I've taken the best care of him that I can. 
I've gotten involved with my neighbors. I babysat Terry's twins twice a week at her place while she slept. Damn, good for you. And I'm actively involved in the residence committee. I never told anyone what I did, aside from all of you. There's only two people I feel that I could admit my mistakes to. One was locked in my wardrobe, whilst the other was seemingly gone forever. Oh, dear. Despite this, I was given a gift of bread. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> my partner just walked in and gave me warm bread and butter. Wow. Wonderful. I wouldn't make him a rat. <laughs> <laughs> you make sure that he knows that. You look will, him. You worry. look him in his eyes, and you say, "I'd never <laughs> wish you back from the dead to be a rat person." I to promise. To be a rat, and he, I swear. And, and he's gonna be like, "Are you gonna ask me if I would love you if you were a worm next?" And then I will. Because <laughs> if, if I were to say that to my significant other, she would be like, "Okay." <laughs> he's so like I love him so much because we've been together so long. He's so like un bothered by me <laughs> like and I, I try so hard I try so hard <laughs> Captain Death you have no idea I try so hard to rattle this man he doesn't care <laughs> I'm like I would love there's I something I would, beautiful in that <laughs> right? in that level I, of indifference there's something beautiful there <laughs> exactly I'm like I would not revive you from the dead as a mutant rat and he'd be like Okay, thanks. It's hard for me to not judge people, even my girlfriend. But, like, there there are definitely some things there that I would be able to appreciate. He's just like, all right. He's like, she's back at it again. <laughs> Despite this, I kept the garden immaculate in the hope that one day Derek would return. And it kept me sane. I even managed to revive one of the shrubs that Prudence tried to butcher during her attack, but no matter how much love I gave, it just wouldn't flourish, and the bench remained empty. All this whilst I keep my deepest shame in my bedroom cupboard. Regardless of all the anguish this place has brought me, there's nowhere else in the world I would consider home anymore. I've never felt more connected to a place in my life. So I've stayed, I've coped, and I kept busy. The tower block may be special, and its residents may often live in another world, but we weren't completely immune to the outside. Government lockdown hit us recently, too. Oh my god, is this COVID? I don't know how recent this story is, but it's probably only two or... Actually, I, I was going to say, like, four years old. Yeah, it was before. It was before COVID. Okay. Lockdown came loss of routine as we knew it. Lockdown for what, though? Actually, I don't know. Maybe this... Maybe the original story was written... A year or two before COVID, but maybe this sequel wasn't. That's fucking crazy. I've actually, like, this is just funny because, like, um, I know we've talked about D&D &D a couple of times. Mm -hmm. And, like, I'm, set, I, you know, was playing a realistic campaign and I was like, okay, well, I don't want to, like, set it in a different time. So I'm just going to set it in an alternate universe 2022 where COVID didn't happen. <laughs> and I've That's seen, fair. like, I, and I haven't seen a lot of places, like, you know, talk about it so this is it's weird to see this um acknowledgement of covid and fiction has been happening for a little bit because right, I, like I know I, I know there were several movies that use it as a plot point mm -hmm. like we're stuck and together like, in this space for this amount of time because hashtag covid mm -hmm. shows too i think sure sorry i just like horked that bread you're good like <laughs> With lockdown came the loss of routine as we knew it. The whole building went into chaos and I was no exception. Being trapped in the flat with him all day undid months worth of self-distraction and denial in a matter of hours. 
I'd never been more aware of what an abhorrent thing I'd done in those first few weeks. The other residents were going through their own crises. Crises? Terry hadn't slept in weeks. We FaceTimed regularly, and I missed her and the kids terribly. Every time I spoke to her, she looked awful. There was wailing at night, banging on all hours of the day, and a whole building's worth of inhabitants struggling. When they deemed the window cleaning non-essential, it sent that particular pest into chaos. Wait, so he does actually clean the windows? Yeah, no, they said that. Okay. They said he always <laughs> leaves the windows looking immaculate. His job is, is justified, but don't let him in. He still appeared on the balconies, but instead of the relentless niceties, he just scratched desperately at the window. That would like scare fucking, me more. Like a rabid cat. I tried not to open the curtains. I finally got round to buying a few months ago. Oh, I that would take his. It. Yeah, good idea. Couldn't take his pleading eyes. The residence committee tried to put things in place to keep the block going. We were running Zoom meetings, and a number of us started collecting essentials for the elderly and vulnerable residents of our floors, having socially distanced chats with them from the corridors we drop off. To be honest, it was as much a lifeline for me as the elderly residents. Anything to get out of the flat. Away from him. I was allocated three residents from my floor, living in flats 48, 51, and 43. Mr. Prentice! Mr. Prentice! Percy and Sylvia... This is a Mr. Prentice fan club. Love it. <laughs> Percy and Sylvia live in flat 43. They're next door to me and generally very pleasant. Sylvia has breathing problems, so they tend to isolate. They're older, but very independent. Most of the time, they just needed a few essentials and didn't want to chat. Mr. Prentice from flat 48 was easy, too. He'd been an intensely private man since before I'd known him, and lockdown hadn't changed that. He did seem to make more of the animalistic noises I'd come to know him for, but I think being trapped inside would do that to anyone with his particular afflictions. Since he trampled prudence, I'd been much more tolerant of the sounds anyway. It's fair. Mm -hmm. The only thing I really learned about him from doing his shopping is that he loves a drink, and there's often a bottle of whiskey he carries in the bag he carries home with the newspaper inside. Once a week, he asked me to drop off an envelope of cash to the pub he drinks in, the Pickled Gnome. He said that the owner is a good friend and he worries about her getting by financially with the pub shut at the moment. It warmed my heart. He's such a lovely man. Love he him. absolutely is. Love him. Gotta have him stay around. Don't fuck that so, up. So far, Terry and Mr. Prentice are the only two lovely people in this entire story. Except I for didn't maybe Jamie. I didn't mind Precious. The idea that... Oh, Precious was good. The idea yeah, that this woman her. had been dealing with other problems and we we're just getting this single snapshot of, like, mm -hmm. a woman getting by. Right. Flat 51 was different from the other two. Didn't mind Shanty either. Sorry. Yeah, no, you're fine. I had never met the occupant, despite having lived here for almost a year now. I'd seen a young man going in and out occasionally, but he never stayed long. The flat was occupied by Miss Esther Beckman, a blind, elderly widow. The man visiting was her son, who had his own profoundly disabled child and couldn't support his mother through the pandemic. The first time I knocked on the door, I was nervous. I wasn't sure why, I just felt uncomfortable trying to help someone I knew nothing about. I knocked and stood back, took a few minutes for Miss Beckman to answer. Esther had wild, grayed hair. She hadn't cut it like most older ladies tend to. She'd allowed it to grow and it had formed spectacular waves. She was well presented, and I'm embarrassed to say I didn't expect that from a blind person. She wore a satin blue dressing gown over the top of a white day dress and had a pair of comfortable-looking slippers on that perfectly matched the color of her evening gown. Are you, dressing the, gown. Are you the girl Molly phoned about? I told her I'm fine, but the interfering old bat insisted. 
She greeted me with rummaging in the pocket of her dressing gown for a packet of cigarettes. I watched her open the pack and light the last one. I like her. <laughs> her brash attitude didn't put me off. I liked people with a bit of tenacity, and I wasn't particularly fond of the resident committee's chairperson, Molly Thompson, either. I'm Kat, though I'm sure Molly would have referred to me as Catherine. Not my name, by the way. Anyway, I'm happy to pick up anything you need, and I'm just, I'm here if you want to chat. I stumbled a little as I spoke. Esther laughed. See, even interfering in something as personal as your name. I never liked that woman. She paused and took a few drags of her cigarette, hesitating before she continued. I don't need much. If you could grab me a pack of cigarettes and a microwave meal every day, I'm fine. I don't like to ask, but my son can't come and without a smoke, I... But my son, my son can't come in without a smoke. I think I'd go... Fuck, what is she trying to say? She's but saying, my I don't son... like to ask, but my son can't come oh, and without like come a smoke. Over. Yeah. Okay. I don't like to ask, but my son can't come. And without a smoke, I think I'd go potty. She took another long drag of her cigarette and reached into her pocket to pull out some change and a 20-pound note. She winced a little as she asked for help. It clearly wasn't something she was used to. Throw me the packet so I know which brand to get, I answered. Esther threw me the empty carton after shoving her money inside, and I barely caught it. She smoked the same brand I did, so I reached into my pocket and pulled out three or four individual cigs and tossed them back. They hit the floor. Shit. She's blind, I thought, mortified. There's a few cigs on the floor in front of you. Sorry, I didn't think, but they're the same as yours, and they should keep you going until I get back. As I said that, she smiled properly for the first time. You're all right, aren't you? Thanks. Before you go, just a bit of advice for you. Take the route through the park instead of around. She answered. I thought it was strange, but everything in the tower was. I told her that I would and said my goodbyes. The stairs that constantly skipped weren't kind to me that trip. The seven flights became 18, and by the time I reached the bottom, my thighs were burning. I exited the building and thought about Esther's suggestion. The route around the park was quicker, but I decided a pleasant wander through the trees would only keep me away from Jamie for longer, so without any hesitation, I took her advice. My legs were sore from the stairs, but it was a beautiful day. About halfway through the park, I heard a loud crash and the screeching of car tires, followed by screaming. I sped up, and when I finally reached the exit, I turned the corner towards the shop and the source of the noise. It was utter carnage. A car had slammed into a motorbike at a zebra crossing and caused a devastating accident. Crowds gathered with multiple people on the phone to emergency services. Blind lady has premonitions. That's exactly what I was thinking. Fucking That's brilliant. exactly what I was thinking. It's Fucking always a brilliant. blind lady. It's always a blind lady. I was shaken entering the shop. I couldn't stop thinking about the poor people involved in the crash. Esther's words echoed in my mind as I thought about the fact that had I taken the usual route, I would have probably been crossing at the crash site as it happened. <laughs> the realization that Miss Beckham's suggestion had saved my life. That's what I thought. Sorry. That's what I thought immediately when she said that, like, her clothes matched and shit. It's like she's literally wakes up and, like, sees the future. She's like, this dress is going to look fucking sick as fuck. I'm putting that on. <laughs> I wasn't thinking like that at all, but I like that you were. Listen, if I had premonitions, that's literally all I would use them for. I'd be like, what will look fucking banging today? <laughs> <laughs> that? All right. Let's go. If I had that type of power in my hand, I'd go fucking buy a lottery ticket. 
Yeah. <laughs> See, you're much This one's than not going to win me today. Better try again tomorrow. <laughs> you might as well. It's probably a better investment than a fucking retirement fund. <laughs> the realization that Miss Beckham's suggestion had saved my life sent my mind into overdrive. I know that many of you think that I learned nothing from my experiences moving on to the block, but I did learn that there are no coincidences here. She had known exactly what was going to happen. I bet she knows about Jamie. Fuck no. I bet she knows She wouldn't Jamie. like her if she knew that, because we don't like her and we know that. Yeah, and obviously maybe since she's it's cool. Just, maybe it's just about specific things. What if it's mm. like only death related? Right. Then maybe. she wouldn't be totally omniscient. Let's find out. I left the shop and chose to go back through the park. I was leaving nothing to chance, but it frustrated me that I couldn't get back home quicker. When I reached the building, I flung the main door open and started to climb the stairs. They must have sensed my urgency because they only made me climb four flights this time. I stared at the numbers on the flat door, 51. Why had I never met her before? Why had she been hiding in her flat? I placed the shopping bag close to the door, rapped on it hard with my knuckles, and shouted, Miss Beckman! A few moments passed. I knocked again. Give me a chance to open the door, cat. And please, it's Essie. Or would you prefer I call you Catherine? She opened the door and replied, scoffing, as she said, Catherine. How did you know? I demanded. Know what? You know what? You saved my life! The crash! I didn't save your life. I knew that if you walked around the park, you'd be in trouble. I had no idea there would be a crash. I just made a suggestion. You saved your own life when you took it. She said flippantly. So you can see the future, I asked, desperate for answers. Don't you dare. Blind woman, second sight. My oh, whole life, the residents of this block have tried to reduce me to a walking cliche, and I'm not doing it anymore. I don't see anything. I've been blind since birth. I've just always had a particularly accurate instinct. She spoke with passion. I could see why she locked herself away. If the other residents knew about her talents, I'm sure she was hounded. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to offend you. I haven't been here long. These things still surprise me. Thank you for sharing your instinct. I would have been squished if you didn't. Well, I'm glad you weren't. She reached down and picked up the shopping bag, taking out the packet of cigarettes to open and light one. Thanks for this. She said, rustling the bag with her fingers. What flat do you live in? Number 42, I answered, as he beamed. Ha! I overheard someone saying that the old witch was dead, but I wasn't sure I believed them. I thought Prudence Hemmings would ride out a nuclear apocalypse like the cockroach Fuck. she was. Essie is my favorite. <laughs> I cringed at the sound of her name. I try not to think about her too much or what she put me through. I try not to focus on what I... I try to focus what I love about the block. Essie could tell she struck a nerve. Uh, did I hit a sore point? She continued, noting my discomfort. I wasn't a fan of Prudence either. The idea of her coming back with a cockroach's antenna in the night will keep me awake now, I answered, trying to lighten the mood. You're funny. If antenna would have benefited that woman, she'd have done anything to grow them. It's nice to have some young blood in this place. It was all starting to get a bit old and stale. Take care, cat. We said our goodbyes and she closed the door. That night I thought about Essie. 
I imagined introducing her to the twins. I was sure she would love them, and I thought of trying to get her involved with the block again when all this was over. It made me smile. Unfortunately, my happy thoughts were soon interrupted by Jamie. I sat on my bed with a cup of tea and could hear him from the cupboard scratching and wheezing. It's like an evil, like, rabid pug. <laughs> I went and opened it to stroke him a few times. Saliva dripped from his sharp teeth down to his deformed jaw. It disgusted me. I shut my eyes and tried to imagine my once gorgeous boyfriend arms round me on the mattress on the floor of the flat for the one night that we got to spend here together. I wished every day to go back to that, but it would never happen. When I opened my eyes, there he was. That monster. It's your fault, you dumb bitch. At least you could have him just be dead and, like, enjoy the memory of your dead boyfriend. I got close to Essie over those first few weeks. I got her cigarettes and a microwave meal every day, and we chatted at the door. After a few days, I was taking my morning cup of tea to sit in the corridor and talk to her. I started making enough food for two so she would have something home-cooked. She hated my lasagna, but she was grateful. She had lost her husband young, not soon after she had her, not long after she had her son, and never dated again. Her life was fascinating. She'd spent years as a social worker before she retired. She said her instinct helped her give great advice to her clients, and she'd managed to help a lot of people out of bad situations. Essie may have been older, but she was full of life. I asked her why I never saw her, why she never came to committee meetings or got involved. As I suspected, she'd grown sick of the whole block hounding her for predictions about their lives. She told me that once Molly had begged her to tell her the gender of her unborn grandchild before the child's mother had found out so she could hold it over her. Yeah, I'm, yeah I'm, that, would stop, sucks. that would stop me from showing up to those meetings as well. I think I see yep. is completely within her right to not Without give a, a fuck about anything that happens here. Yeah, no, and Molly also officially sucks dick. Like, that's a <laughs> we knew that already, though. She was friends did, with Prudence. It's true. We did know that, but also, like, that's such a fucking, like, it's like, that's such a petty, like, shitty thing to do to somebody for literally no reason. Like, <laughs> if that's the type of person you are, I don't want to know you. Right, exactly. It sounded like it got intense. People were offering to pay for, pay for the winning lottery numbers or hey. bank details of Bill Gates. They didn't want to listen when she tried to tell them it wasn't how it worked, so she kept distance, saw her son, and that was about it. It made me sad. I vowed that even after this lockdown was over, I was going to keep spending time with Essie. I didn't want to think of anyone holed up at home all the time without anyone to talk to. I told Terry about her, and she remembered Essie being friends with her parents while she was growing up. Terry told me she'd been a resident forever. I dropped up Essie's shopping at the door and sat down in the corridor to chat as usual one afternoon. We spoke about music and her love of jazz. It was pleasant. Just before I left, she stopped me and told me that she had an instinct she needed to tell me about. It was unusual. She didn't like to share them, and I didn't like to pester, but she insisted that it was important. Cat? Cat. Sorry. Cat, one of your friends needs help. You need to know that it is possible. It won't be easy, but if you look hard enough, you will find a way. Is she talking about Jamie? No, doubt it. Hmm. Something's gonna come up. That was all she said. She claimed it was all she knew, but I think Cassie liked to hold things back sometimes. Either way, it was cryptic and confusing. I lamented her for it. That's all you're giving me? What am I supposed to do with that? I quizzed her. Haven't got a fucking clue. She replied, lighting yet another cigarette. <laughs> I got an instinct and I told you. What more do you want? There's others in this block that would kill for one of Essie Beckman's famous instincts. 
She laughed and flipped her wild hair mockingly. I would die for this woman. (laughs) I sat in the corridor outside hers for a while, even after she closed the door. I thought about what her instinct could mean. When I finally gathered up the stomach to enter my flat, I thought of Jamie. What if it meant I could help him? What if what I'd done was reversible? What if there was hope? Maybe it meant that killing him really was the only way I could help him, and if I looked at myself hard enough, I'd finally find the strength to follow through. I struggled to sleep that night despite trying to go to bed early. Every scratch, wheeze, and gasp from the cupboard set me bolt upright, and it took until just after 1am before I finally drifted off. When I woke in the morning, I had five missed calls from Terry, two from 3am, and three from that morning. No. My heart dropped. It was fucking Terry. The kids. I knew Ellie had been going through a stage of trying to get out of the flat, and I was terrified something had happened to her. I could barely hold the phone as I dialed back. Thankfully, she answered quickly. Terry, are you okay? What's happened? Are the kids okay? I practically screamed at her down the microphone. Kat, I'm fine. We're fine. But I have to tell you something. Terry was serious. She was never serious. Last night, Ellie got out. She made it all the way up to your floor to try and visit you. But by the time I caught up with her... Oh, excuse me. She made it all the way up to your floor to try and visit you by the time I caught up with her. As I was about to march her downstairs, I spotted something. It's Miss Beckman, Cat. She was walking into the lift. Mm. Her words cut into my soul. Mm. I let out a gentle sob. I'm sorry, Cat. I tried to stop her. I screamed her name, but she didn't turn. She just walked in. I couldn't do anymore. I had Ellie there, and when I checked the time, it was quarter past two. I'm so sorry. And that's where this predicament begins, in an ironically similar place to before, with me mourning the loss of a loved one to the lift. And that's it. That's part nine. She did it because... God damn it. (laughs) She definitely did it because... One of of your friends needs help. Uh Uh-huh. You need to know that it is possible... It won't be easy, easy, but if you look hard enough, you will find a way. Do you think she is, like, exchanging herself somehow? Well, I immediately thought she sacrificed herself when she realized that her instinct didn't come true. Right. When Kat wasn't able to help the friend... Mm-hmm. Essie probably felt it mm-hmm. and said, and the next thing she saw was probably, you know, a five-year-old, six-year-old kid getting fucking murdered mm-hmm. and probably knew it was the elevator and could just assume, you know, the only way to... Right. The only way to write it was to distract them by by taking their to her place Mm-hmm. You know, like, I it's the only thing I can think of. It's the only thing I can think of. Because for me, I almost think that... Right. I almost think that the way, the way the elevators should be treated are like proximity alarms. Mm-hmm. And, like, she probably just felt something... Like, you know, it could have gotten Terry, too. Mm-hmm. Could have. You know, maybe maybe the red herring here is that we're thinking of the kid, and the kids would have been fine because they're part monster. 
Right. But I mean, they maybe, the, the kids held their own Terry. against the fucking demon cultists, no problem. But why do we always get a cool-ass character and then get them fucking murdered? <laughs> I know, I love Essie. I'm so sad. <laughs> Essie's only been in my life for ten minutes. <laughs> Essie is like uh, fan cast in my head. Because when, when I get really into stories that we read on this show, I immediately mm-hmm. see them as a movie in my head. Right. And I begin I begin casting the characters. And like I remember doing this last with um left right game. Like I was really heavy on fan casting that because right. I just I just fucking loved it. Mm-hmm. And for this one, I I gotta give it to like Meryl Streep. Yeah, see I or was like, thinking or Helen like a really Mirren. or like a really dolled up Helen Mirren's perfect. A no really no wait Sorry, I'm I'm an idiot. Fuck, what's that actress's name? She's in um she's in like uh the unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt and she's got the really big curly hair. I can't fucking remember. This is gonna piss me off. She's literally perfect. I'm for not this. a watcher of, of Kimmy Schmidt. She's been in like so much random shit. Hold on. Where what's her name? Carol Kane. Carol That's King. who she is. Yeah, I'm trying. Okay, so she's in. She's uh, she's been in so much fucking shit. I'm trying oh, to. I'm find just. Her. I'm just on the internet. Carol yeah. King is happening. Um. Yeah. She was in like The Princess Bride. Oh. Okay. Um, I think. Oh, she's, she's great. Yeah. She's yeah. good. She like plays fucking like unhinged like old ladies every time. Like that's she's been doing that like since the eighties. Oh, totally. <laughs> but I wasn't. I wasn't so th- more so thinking unhinged. But you nailed the hair. Right. You nailed the hair for the character. Um, part of me at this point would take uh, a Helena Bonham Carter oh, or, God, uh, yeah. or a, a twisted up Tilda Swinton. True. Agreed with all. Yeah. I think any of those are, are well within their rights to be able to pull off something so likable. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, the, I, I haven't casted Terry or Cat in my head yet, mm-hmm. but I feel I feel like they're just interlocked with like relative unknowns, like like right. a, an episode of Misfits or something. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, I I like I like this story a lot, and I don't I don't want the episode to go on too much longer because we're already mm-hmm. over two hours. But this this. I'm glad we cut it into four because mm-hmm. I, these would be three hour long episodes if we were doing three parts. Yeah, no kidding. And getting getting the time to kind of breathe in between these chapters because I do believe there's only 16. Mm-hmm. So next time we're only reading a couple because we're mm-hmm. already at 10. Right. So it's, we have two more episodes to go, mm-hmm. but it's going to be an interesting two episodes. No, Um, are you kidding? Hell yeah, it will be. The trajectory, the trajectory has altered to a point where I'm not on the daily feeling or fearing for her life. Right. But I am, I am fearing situations she could get herself into. Yeah, at this point, hilariously, she has become, like, the greatest threat to herself now. <laughs> My like, own worst enemy. I, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll join her on that one. 
you know no one makes me do anything i make my own problems for myself i mean you know i you know what's funny is that there was a point in my life where i would have definitely agreed with you but now i'm at a different like i've done so much healing which is great however that means that now my life is shit and it's not my fucking fault anymore Oh, I see what you're saying. It's like I have no control over the situation and things still suck. Unbelievable. (laughs) Who would have thought? The moral of the story, kids, is get medicated. You'll feel better, but then everything else will get worse. Get get spiteful. Yeah. Live off of spite. Eat pasta. (laughs) Um, Lots of pasta. Lots of pasta. Got (laughs) him. So, so last quick last minute message to the audience other than get spiteful and eat lots of pasta. And eat lots of pasta. Um, Anything related to the story? Anything related to how you're feeling? So. Sum it up up with some final words. Okay, I I got you. Be the, uh, be the ominous blind lady in your apartment building with weird premonitions that you want to see in the world. Right. That's my plan. Right. Um, mine would probably, oh my God, I almost, my heart just fucking jumped. No, you're fine. At like 2.18, it fucking froze. (laughs) The entire application fucking froze. (laughs) I have to pause for a second real quick. Literally resuming for like a minute just to say this. But. (laughs) It's worth it. If I had, if I had final words right now. They're coming from a place of sentiment Mm -hmm. because we finished story part one. Right. And man, it just fucking ended on that note. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm going to say it. I immediately forgave OP for making that mistake. And you kind of said that I'm, like, within reason to defend her. I don't know if I really am, but the kind of person I am understands why she did it. I've I've been the person in a relationship who gets cheated on and still tries to make the relationship work. You know, like, I'm the person who something terrible happens and I try to see... I I try not to be an absolute nihilist all the time and I try to see the good in what could be an awful situation Uh and if I were traumatized enough and it were someone I've been with for years Mm -hmm. and loved dearly and was now completely alone Mm -hmm. in a new in a new and dangerous place Right. That was supposed to be your place together. Right. And everything reminds me of that person. I, I don't know. I still think it's relatable as hell. Right. That, that you would do anything, uh, anything to get, to get your partner back. Now where I differentiate is exactly what I said, which is Mm -hmm. I make that split second decision Mm-hmm. And then regret it immediately Instantly. because, because again, I might've been that guy who sees a cheating girlfriend and tries to make things better, but mm-hmm. I'm also the same guy who knew that 
texting her what up at 3am in the middle of the night when she was dating a new guy was also not a good idea. And, and then opening the door when she came over was also not a good idea. And letting Aww. her into my bedroom was also not a great idea. <laughs> oh, <baby>. So, <laughs> you know, we oh, all have, love. we all have those immediate, uh, uh, what, what's the p- post nut clarity thoughts where we come to realize our living regret. Right. Except the nut is a rat boyfriend. The nut is a rat version of your loved one, so I'm immediately putting two between the eyes. Honestly, like, that's my thing, is that, like, I definitely... I'm hitting it with a shovel until it don't move no more. Right, like, the thought, like, honestly, the thought of, like, my, my partner being ripped away from me, like, instantly like that. Like, literally, no warning, he just walks out the door and she never sees, and I never see him again. Like... Yeah, I would be fucked up. But I feel like for me, like, would I want him back? Yes, literally the whole time. Would I try to find a way to get him back? If I knew there was fuckery afoot, I would be doing everything in my power to learn real witchcraft. So... So like you're playing alt magic right now. And literally. I'm, I'm too lazy and sad for that. That's my thing, though. It's like at the same time, I feel like, you know, like I Practical Magic is my favorite movie, right? They do that in that movie. And guess what? It goes very badly it's because every good. every time you try to bring back somebody from the dead, it never goes well because death is permanent and it's supposed to be. And like, that's the worst part about so it. many, so many fictions have mm-hmm. that narrative. Right. And know? it. it because I mean, all humans share that desperation, right? To like make it not so, you know what I mean? When you lose totally. someone you love, like the only thing you want is for that not to be what happened. Right. So yeah, I guess you're right. I can't like, am I mad at her? No, no, no. You can fault, you can falter as much as you want and you could even defiantly say, I wouldn't do that. I, I think, I think I might, but mm-hmm. I know I would immediately regret, regret it. Regret it. See, I I don't think I And she could. did too. She, she did, did she too. immediately regret let's, it. Let's let's give her some points where she yeah. said, and then I saw him and it was awful. Like Yeah, she did she did immediately regret but it. But she also can't kill him. And that's and that's where I do judge a little bit because mm-hmm. if I saw a little monster version of my of my sweet of my love, I um I would kill it with a rock. Yeah, I'd be, like, crying and throwing up. Like, I just... I, oh, I just... no, I would be like, you're not my loved one, bye. <laughs> That's the thing, though. Like, it is him, though. Just a little bit. Not a yeah, lot. Not enough for me, personally. Mm, I don't know. I'd have to think about that. I'm still mad at her, but I do get it. You're allowed to be. I'm not saying you're not. No, 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 of course. I'm, like, I, I'm more, like, talking... I'm, like, defining my feelings to myself because now I'm conflicted. <laughs> <laughs> and you're trying my... to rationalize while also keeping your subjective ability exactly like before my righteous fury was like complete and now it's like righteous fury but also deep sadness <laughs> <laughs> so yeah righteous fury deep sadness pasta good good story good story Go, getting better by the part Love the character work, love the writing, love the relatability, despite all the shit that's going on. Mm -hmm. Glad I'm reading it with you, glad we're getting through it. 
Um, very much looking forward to, uh, like, two days from now reading another part. <laughs> or finishing it. Land until we stand at the shore.